Hello, everybody, and welcome to this week's edition of the Just and the Suffering podcast featuring New York sports talk from a long-suffering fan. I'm your host, Mike Phillips. I got a good show for you today. Apologies in the delay, everybody. Mother Nature wrecks havoc with this. The snow got in the way of my plans on Monday, so I had to change the schedule up a little bit. We're still having our Jets roundtable this week. Will Schneiderhan, who did the Jet midseason review with me, he's back on that. Also bringing a new voice to the podcast, Rocky DePaola, a big Jet fan. He's, we're going to talk about the Jets, go through everything that's gone on with them, what they have to look forward to in the offseason, what decisions they have to make. That's all coming up in this week's show. Our fantasy baseball segment, which I planned for this week, we're pushing it back a week, has to get rescheduled because of the weather, but I'm not leaving without any baseball coverage. The baseball beat guys are here. We are talking all the big headlines. Bryce Harper's 13-year deal with the Phillies, Luis Severino's injury, the the Fertola's rule changes, all that good stuff coming up in the baseball beat, plus a preview of the National League. We go through all 15 teams, let you know what happened with them in the offseason, where they stand right now, all that good stuff coming up later in the baseball beat. Stay tuned to the end of the show for this week's two-minute drill, where I talk about the greatness of Roger Federer, who last week won his 100th singles tournament, only the second man ever to do that. I'll break down what that means for you at the end of the show. We get our role in this week's opening tip, where I'm talking about the craziness going on in Arizona why they might take Kyler Murray number one, and why it is a dumb idea. All that coming up right after this. One time up left for Arizona. And here is Rosen into the end zone. Touchdown! Christian Kirk! All right, that call here is her courtesy of Fox Sports' Sam Rosen. Josh Rosen, quarterback of the Cardinals, leading his first career comeback win against the San Francisco 49ers in the 2018 season. Josh Rosen, one of the headlining guys this week because of the big rumors coming out of the NFL Combine that the Arizona Cardinals, the owners of the number one pick in this year's draft, are infatuated with Kyler Murray. Murray did not work out of the Combine, but he was measured. He came out looking good. He was 5'10" and 205 roughly which i think it's 205 i think that's the number i'm not exactly sure but small like bigger than he was expected to be some people were he was as short as 58 he played at 185 at oklahoma so he's put on 20 pounds of muscle and that's gonna help him it helped his stock immensely a lot of teams fell in love with him including arizona i remember a couple weeks back cliff kingsbury new coach to the cardinals said that he would take Kyler murray number one overall and this is before he got the Arizona job. Now he is in charge of Arizona, and apparently he wants Kyler Murray to be his new quarterback. The Cardinals did nothing to dissuade that notion. Uh, GM Steve Keim was asked about the possibility of re- replacing Rosen with Murray at the Combine last week. Let's hear what he had to say. Well, I mean, I think what Cliff said was trying to avoid bulletin board material. I think if you're a Texas Tech, I would have said the same thing about an Oklahoma quarterback. But, um, you know, again, it's still early in the process. We haven't even gone through a full evaluation at all the positions. So, really, it's, it's again, too early to say. Is Josh Rosen our quarterback? Yeah, he is right now for sure. Let me stop you right there. He's our quarterback right now? That is not the world's most ringing endorsement of Josh Rosen. This guy was the 10th overall pick in last year's draft. And he's your quarterback for right now? This guy last year was the guy that many scouts said was the most pro-ready quarterback in a group that included Baker Mayfield and Sam Darnold. Scouts today, NFL Network's Daniel Jeremiah said that Rosen is better than any quarterback of this year's class, including Murray. 
and Dwayne Haskins from Ohio State. Josh Rosen, I know he was not good last year. He did not play well, but he did not have a lot to work with. He put on a team that had no weapons on the outside. Larry Fitzgerald did Larry Fitzgerald things, but he's getting up there in age. He is not an elite number one receiver anymore. He's more of a possession guy at this point in his career. David Johnson, good running back, but could not get anything going due to a horrendous offensive line. And Rosen got sacked 45 times in 14 games. 45 times is a lot. That takes a beating and puts a lot of mental stress on a quarterback. Another thing to be concerned about there, they fired his offensive coordinator in midseason. Mike McCoy started the year as the coordinator. He gets fired. Byron Leftwich takes over for him. First time calling plays, and he's being asked to develop a rookie quarterback. Not an ideal setup. Think about this, too. They did not want him to play right away. They brought in Sam Bradford, and Sam Bradford was so bad, they rushed Rosen into the lineup because they couldn't look at Bradford anymore. They gave Bradford a lot of money to play that one year. Now he's gone. Rosen comes in, has a bad year. The Cardinals are so bad, they were the top pick in the draft. And now, you know what? They're going to give up on him. And they want to take the quarterback who most scouts feel is would have been the fourth best option in the group of last year's quarterbacks. He would have been behind, behind Baker, would have been behind Darnold, and he would have been behind Rosen. So you want to give up on that guy. You want to give up on the guy that is pro-ready, can pure pocket passer for a short quarterback who's had one brilliant year in Oklahoma. That's the guy we're going to build our future around. Really, Arizona. You think that's a great idea. And again, if you do this and you trade him, what are you getting for him? You ruin his value by putting him behind a terrible offensive line with no weapons and firing his coordinator. You did nothing. You are not getting a first-round pick back in return. You might get a two. That is not a proper use of your assets. And let me get to Cliff Kingsbury for a second. I cannot stand him. And as a Jet fan, thank the Lord they did not end up hiring this guy. Because he clearly has no idea what's going on. Uh, Kingsbury has entitled his opinion. He loves Kyler Murray. That's fine. My issue is this. When did Cliff Kingsbury become an expert quarterback whisperer? This man was 35 and 40 as a head coach of Texas Tech. 19 and 35 in the Big 12. So in his conference, where scoring matters more than anything, he was 19 and 35. This man does not know how to win. That's number one. Number two, who, what quarterback did he develop in college? He does not get credit for Baker Mayfield. Mayfield transferred out of there. He was a walk-on and walked out of Oklahoma. Patrick Mahomes, you want to give him credit for that? Mahomes came in the league with a lot of questions. He came in the league as a project with scouts questioning his footwork and his ability to read defenses. So what happened? Mahomes goes to Kansas City. He sits for a year. He sits behind Alex Smith and learns from him. He gets coached by Andy Reid. At the end of the year, he comes in. Has a great game at the end of the year. Next year, he's ready to go and he becomes a superstar. I give more of the credit to Alex Smith and Andy Reid than I do to Cliff Kingsbury. On top of all that, the Cardinals drafting quarterbacks in the first round two years in a row, it's not very often for a reason. That is a tremendous waste of your assets. 
The last team to draft a quarterback in the first round two years in a row was the Baltimore Colts in 1982 with Arch Schlichter and 1983 with John Elway ended up getting traded to Denver. Those teams did not win anything. What makes you think that you are the team that can get away with drafting a quarterback two years in a row in the first round? Why is it working for you? Why is that the answer? I mean, seriously, guys. What are you doing out there? You have a young quarterback who can develop. You have the number one pick who you can get a stud defender in a draft loaded with them. Nick Boza, potential superstar defender. You get him and have him be the anchor of your defensive line for the next 10 years. Don't like him? You get Josh Allen, the next Khalil Mack. You don't like him? You could take Quinn and Williams, who's somewhere comparing to Warren Sapp. But we could do that? No. We're going to take another quarterback. We're going to take Kyler Murray and hope that we can make him work. That is extremely dumb. And Josh Rosen, at this point, you've gone far off down the road. You have to trade him. You cannot redeem yourselves with him because you have put it out there for so long now that you are in love with Kyler Murray and you want to take Kyler Murray. You can't do that with a court and then change your mind and say, oh, sorry, Josh. We like you. We want you to be our quarterback. Not going to work. You're going to have to trade him, which means that some team could be in line for a bargain. You could look at him as a good fit in New England, where he could learn behind Brady for a year or two and then take over. You could be a fit in San, in, uh, San Diego. You know, that, that team should be in San Diego. Good fit with the LA Chargers, where he could take over Phillip Rivers in a couple of years. Could also be a fit for the New York Giants. And as far as the Giants are concerned for a second, I have no idea what's going on in that building. I really don't. Latest confusing news out of them is the idea that Landon Collins is got to walk without getting a franchise tag. Now, I don't agree with this move, but there is logic to it. I talked to some Giant fans this week. I was curious about what the perception of Landon Collins was, and the big takeaway I got from them was that Landon Collins, while he has been in the Pro Bowl three years in a row, and while he was an All-Pro in 2016, his skill set is primarily an in-the-box safety, and his cover skills are horrendous. That may not make him a good fit with the James Badger defense. And if it's a, bit, a scheme issue, fine. I can, I'm okay with letting him walk, but my issue is this then. If you figured out that Landon Collins is not going to fit your system, why on earth, why on earth did you not trade him back at the deadline when you had teams interested in him? Kansas City Chiefs were interested in him. Several other teams were as well. You probably could have gotten a two for Landon Collins at that point. Instead, you're hoping you get a three in free agency when he walks. And one of the reasons that Dave Gellman said that they let Landon Collins go is because they could not afford to give him the franchise day for the $11.5 million value, whatever it is. You know why that's the case? That is the case because the Giants refuse to move on from Eli Manning. Eli Manning is eating up $23 million on the salary cap this year. 23 million and the Giants decide you know what we want him to be the bridge to our next quarterback whether that's a drafted guy or it's a guy we signed two years all that good stuff but at some point you cannot have your cake and eat it too if you want to win this year you keep Eli Manning around you you pull up the line as best you can you use the number six pick on a defender maybe something like Clellan Farrell Maybe somebody like maybe Clay Williams slips down there, you get him. Someone to help the defense. If you don't want that, you cut Eli. You save the $17 million. 
you bring in good players and you draft and you bring in a stopgap quarterback like a Nick Foles, who is going to Jacksonville, but the Giants should have been in on him. You bring him in and you draft your quarterback. You bring you draft Dwayne Haskins at six if you believe in him. But no. The Giants side, we gotta do it both ways. We have to try and keep Eli around and win and draft and go for the future. And do the Kansas City plan as Dave as uh, Dave Gallman puts it. The Kansas City plan does not work with everybody. It doesn't. More teams would be trying that if it was guaranteed to produce a superstar like Patrick Mahomes. You need the right guys. There is no magic solution. This franchise is going down the wrong way because they decided to stick with Eli Manning. Do they have time to get out of it? Sure. If they're around Dwayne Haskins and he comes up all pro, no one would care about this. We'll all be laughing about the fact that they got Saquon Barkley and a franchise quarterback when they could when they could have had one or the other. But we're not there yet. Until we find out what the answer quarterback is after Eli Manning, the Giants are in deep, deep trouble. Up next, we are going to shift from the Giants to the Jets. Our Jet Roundtable coming up right after this. Third and nine for the Jets. Here's Donald. Airing it out. Deep ball. Separation. Clock. Robbie Anderson. Goodbye. Touchdown, Jets. It's going to run right by Bradley Roby. A little hesitation there, and see ya. Perfectly thrown by Darnold, right to the fingertips, and a coast into the end zone by Robbie Anderson. All right, and we're back. That call is heard courtesy of Ian Eagle and Dan Fountain, CBS Sports. Sam Darnold's 76-yard touchdown pass to Robbie Anderson in Week 5 against the Denver Broncos. Now we are going to talk all about the New York Jets, preview their offseason. Joining me today, I have two great guests. Me first... The guy who lives rent-free on this podcast, Will Schneider. Hey, Will, welcome. How are you? <laughs> good. How are you? I'm good. And also with us today, a first-time guest, someone who I've been trying to get on here for a while. He's haven't had some scheduling issues on my end mostly, but the man, the myth, the legend himself, Savage Rock, Rocky DePaula. Rocky, how are you? I'm doing good, Mike. Thank you for having me. No problem. Before we get started, we all know Will's history for the podcast listeners. Rocky, tell us your backstory as a Jet fan. Oh, I'll be honest. I first became a Jet fan at nine years old, and it was January of 2005. And I'll never forget, it was that Saturday night when the Jets were playing the Chargers. And this was the days of Chad Pennington, Wayne Krabat, Santana Moss, Curtis Martin. And I never forget, I was nine years old, and that Saturday night, my dad and I were driving all over the place because we're trying to get food for not only ourselves, but my mother and my sister. And it's like packed. Like, everyone's watching the Jet game. Everyone's out for the Jet game. And I see everyone with these Jet jerseys, you know, and being a small kid at the time, I didn't understand, you know, the futility of the Jets, so to speak. You know, I was like, wow, everyone's rooting for this team. You know, I want to root for this team as well. That was the infamous Eric Barton forearms at helmet of Drew Brees game. Yeah. Will, you remember that game? No. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be honest. Yeah, that was a that, <laughs> that was one of the classic Jet playoff games that that game against the Chargers. That was right the week before the uh, infamous uh, Doug Bryan game against the Steelers. That was my first uh, moment of Jet heartbreak so as a, a few, kid. A few years before my time. <laughs> Yeah, my first moment of Jet heartbreak was back in '98 because I was in the I was not rooting for the team back then when they made that run to the AFC Championship game, had the 10 nothing lead in Denver and blew it because of a couple of fumbles, including one from Keith Byers. But that's discussion for another day. Let's get into this year's team, where I think they're going to be one of the more fascinating teams of the season of the offseason here because there's a lot of interesting stuff going on. They have a ton of money to spend, ton of needs to fill. Let's before we dive into that, let's look into last year's team. Will on the year give me a grade for the Jets last year, 2018. 
C plus, I think is fair. Yep. You saw some nice things from Darnold. Um, I thought Robbie played better in the second half. You know, it, like um, I almost said Janoris Jenkins, uh, <laughs> Jordan Jenkins. I thought played really well for like his role. I mean, I thought you saw like when you can kind of look more into it, there was like a lot of nice things, but obviously it was masked by another kind of miserable season. It's not a bad take. Rock, how about you? I'm going to go with a C because, granted, the offense and the defense showed some strides. You know, with the offense, there was the week one game against Detroit or the game against the Broncos and Colts where Darnold and the offense was clicking on all cylinders. But then there was just times where the offense just looked so inept. Mm-hmm. I mean, you got to go back to the second game against the Dolphins where Darnold threw four interceptions and they lost that game, like, what, 13-6? to six? Yeah, That was a miserable Yeah, the Spencer Long game. That was, And then Frank Gore converted, like, a third and a hundred. Yep. <laughs> or um, even the Brown game. That yeah. was pretty inept as well. Yeah, my grade, I think I'm giving lower. I'm going with a D just because Darnold was the only really good thing to come out of this year because their coaching was so bad. Their defense regressed because all those first-round picks on that defense, they should have been a lot better than they were. And top it all off, like, almost everybody Mike McCagney brought in last season, offseason was a bust. I mean, Terrell Pryor was on this team. What happened to him? Oh, you're right. (laughs) Jesus. I really... Tremaine Johnson doesn't need to be said. Yeah. The, yeah. the only thing that was pretty consistent for the Jets last year was the special teams. Yeah. They were amazing. Yeah. That is funny, right? Like <laughs> After years of being terrible, they were like the best in the league. Is that uh, a, a little Mike Westoff magic rub off the Jets this year? <laughs> yeah. Well, Brian Boyer got brought back on new coaching staff, so I think it was a smart move. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. All right. Let's go into this right now. One interesting thing that came here, obviously, the new coaching staff. We know about the drama between Adam Gase bringing Greg Williams and bringing his father-in-law, Joe Vitt, and the whole beef between Vitt and Williams dating back in New Orleans. One interesting thing is not getting talked about. Apparently, the Jets are going to run the 3-4 yeah. under Greg Williams, which Williams has done the 4-3 most of his career. Will, what do you think about that decision? Uh, honestly, like, I'm kind of, like, upset because I, I, the idea of, like, Greg Williams is this, like, you know, gun gunning 4-3, I yeah. was, like, I was all over, and I thought, hey, like, We'll get, you know, get more edge rushers. Maybe Leo plays a little bit. But I don't know. Like I was like surprised, but I, I don't like. There's something about a fourth or a three-four that I don't. I it, it's just hard for me to get in on for some reason. Well, Williams sticking with the three-four. I think it's going to be a good idea because the Jets already have good talent at the linebacker position with Avery Williamson and Darren Lee. And I think if you bring back, let's say, an Henry Anderson, and then Leo can make that second step and progress to the next level, I think the 3-4 could be good. And plus, you don't want to just bring in new guys to implement a new scheme. That's another issue as well. well that's true. That's definitely true. I agree with that. I, I definitely agree. Because like, we've seen Lee played well, Jenkins played well, I and mean, even Copeland, some of these guys. Oh, last year was Lee's best year, I yeah. think. Oh, no. Oh, for sure. Yeah, you, I do actually agree with that. Because then what, you probably have to come in and wipe everything away and yeah. stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I think guys like Williamson and Henry Anderson would definitely not fit on a 4-3. On a so I like the idea of adapting to your personnel a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Which is, I think is nice, but like the the one Rock brought up, Leonard Williams. I mean, he's sort of been like a lightning rod for Jet fans, just because like he came in, he was a six pick, he has all this hype, and then really hasn't done much. Nah, yeah. Adam Gase talked about Leonard Williams at the combine last week. Let's hear what he had to say. He, he was always very challenging for us to go against. We'd always account for him. We try to double him, and it was he was hard to stop. We, he, we basically could not run the football because of him. And he was always very disrupted in our games. We had we struggled versus him in, in pass protection as well. He's very disruptive. You know, for me, I never look at the sack numbers. I'm always going to look at pass disruption. How many hits on the quarterback does he have? How many pressures does he have? And then you throw in the sacks. You know, now your number is going to look look the way you want it. And 
you know, a lot of times when you have a defensive lineman that's causing all kinds of pass disruption, you're going to get interceptions, you're going to get fumbles, you're going to get quarterbacks making the wrong decision a lot of times. And I think he does a good job of disrupting the quarterback. Yeah, Rock. I mean, I feel that's the distinction a lot of the football people make to say, oh, you know, you don't see his numbers show on the stat sheet, but he's still being a disruptive player. Do you buy that? Absolutely. Because, yes, I know as football fans, we want to look at the sacks, the quarterback hits. I get it. But you know what? If you can disrupt the opposing teams or the opposition's offensive rhythm, that's still a win in your book, or at least in my book, because if the team can't get a rhythm going, they can't make plays. And if, if you're disrupting their rhythm, that's a win, you know? Yeah, I, I think like you're you're like the criticism of him is just like too like naive. Like I just get sacks. Like yeah, whatever. I agree with what you're saying. He's you know he's moving the quarterback's feet, but I just think like they just have to give him like a, a legitimate edge rusher to go with him. You know what I mean? Like it's really think of it like like kind of what Geisha said. Like if you just like the Jets, right? And like Henry Anderson played well last year, but like what is it? Like oh, take Leo out of the game double him and you're kind of just like smooth sailing I mean yeah. nobody else is getting pressure like consistent pressure so yeah it's like it's like anything you know like yeah. put somebody else around him somebody who's firing off the edge and yeah it makes that much better you know makes him much better plus you know if you're getting double team though that's that's not going to help your case to get sacks either no that's what I mean like like it's easy to, to, to kind of take him out of the game and and you know like him absorbing double teams is part of his job but it's like okay but you're not, you know what I'm trying to say? Like, you're not adding that second piece that's gonna, right. where the double teams are going to, where him taking double teams is going to help, right? Without that edge rusher, it's just double teams and taking him out of the game. So I, I, I think I, it's so hard. Like, you got to really, like, if you draft a guy like Josh Allen or go, you know, get like a Jamie Collins or whatever, like, let's see. Like, if Leo's really still nothing, then it's just obviously the talent's not there. But th that's still yet to be seen. Or even a Nick Bosa. Yeah, I mean, preferably, preferably. There's, there's a chance. I mean, we could still get that. Also, yeah. another thing to think about is, like, if they get, like, if they don't take the edge rusher, if they go one, two, they hit Quentin Williams at three. Yeah. That, that'd be another one. Like, you put him in the middle or have him disrupt in the middle and put Leonard on the outside. That yeah, would help. Yeah, I kind of like the idea of Leonard on the outside more, right? Like, yeah. I don't, him as a DT is or is kind of like, I'm not into that. Right? Like, he's not, you know, I don't know what you guys think. I just, I don't, for some reason, I think. Think he would be much better as an end. I, I, that's a my my opinion. You should, yeah, he should be either a three four end or a four three inside. Not like yeah, yeah. He's not a nose tackle or a defensive tackle by any means. I was him. actually at the game when he had three sacks against the Broncos, yeah. and I think he did play uh, defensive end because when they would cycle McClendon in there a lot and um, Mike Pinnell, Pinnell, yeah. Pinnell. But like there was a lot of times where he was Bowles liked him inside, and I, I just didn't like it. I I feel like that's a lot of why we're still here talking about why he's had sacks, you know? Yeah, I feel like a lot of it was like, they're like that defensive staff did not get a lot out of that talent, which I'm curious to see how Greg Williams does with this group, because I feel like he's brought he's got a history of getting a lot out of this. Look at the Browns last year. I mean, yeah. got a lot of Miles Garrett in that group, so like you think you give him all these former first-round picks and like guys who are productive like Avery Williams, and you think he'll be better. Yeah, I think that's why I think I'm, uh, Jamie Collins may be a guy they try to bring in, because he played under that, played with him last year. Yeah, we talked about the draft a little bit. Obviously, they're sitting at number three, same spot they ended up last year, so this time they actually earned their way to three by having a terrible record in being bad <laughs> yeah. but now they don't they don't have to do what they did last year they have the quarterback in place they have Sam Darnold so thank goodness for that <laughs> yeah, every Jeff fan is very thankful for that so now we're going to think about what are they going to do at number three you going to take a player you going to trade back Mike McCadden was asked about that last year the combine let's hear what he had to say you know I think you know right now we feel you know, we feel good at number three but I would definitely say if there's an opportunity to trade down we would absolutely look at it um, you know, there's nothing that's transpired at this point in time. Last year, we traded up to three. 
Um, and we did that early. We did that right, right in the early part of free agency. Um, but I would say, you know, like everything else, I mean, we, if we're end up picking a player at three, we feel very good. I would, I would say this, if there's an opportunity for us to move back and acquire more picks, that's definitely something we would be potentially interested in. It have to be the right kind of deal. Um, but I definitely wouldn't rule anything out at this point in time. I think whatever we can do that help to sort of build the team and the vision we have for it, and sometimes, you know, maybe having one player at three or multiple options if you move back with other opportunities, that would bode well for us. Well, reaction to that. I, I think, right, like it's kind of like he's basically saying like either we, we, we're just pretty much picking from the cream of the crop or – Somebody blows us away, and we're getting like you know a later first, a second, blah blah blah. Which he's open. He's open to trade down. Yeah, so like I'm fine with you know what I mean, which is, should be the case, right? Like for you to definitively be like we're not trading down, like all right, like whatever. But like it's a, it's one of those drafts where yeah. like if the Giants, you know, Dave, on come draft day, Dave Gettleman's like I got to get up there and get Dwayne Haskins. If Kyler goes one, you know, put him to the grill and get like another first. A second and a third or something, and, yeah. and, and pick from there. But yeah. yeah, get like a two and get next year's one. Yeah, like like I'm not losing sleep, right? Like yeah. I'm not like losing sleep because like it's either he does the right thing and we like assess that after the fact, or we are like you mentioned, we're gonna get Quinn and Williams, Nick Bozer, Josh Allen, which sign me up. You guarantee for one of those three. You stay there. <laughs> yeah, sign me up. <laughs> you know, I, I always believe that the Jets are either gonna select a pass rusher or trade down. They're, one of those two things are gonna happen. But you got to look at this upcoming draft. It's an edge rushing draft. Edge rushers and pass rushers for the Jets is pretty, how can I say, on the decline or it's not as efficient. They've been looking for one since John Abraham left in 2005. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, then other than that one year with Mo Wilkerson, they haven't really had a cons- consistent pass rush. So I think, depending on like what Will said, if they get a huge offer, a King's Ransom, and, you know, and some a team makes an offer like Mike McCagney can't refuse, you take it. But then to be safe, you just take an edge rusher. You know, you got Nick Bosa. You got you're gonna get uh, Josh Allen. So I like Josh Allen a lot. One, hopefully, you get one of those two guys. Yeah, it comes I, down to that. I love Allen because again, like he's not a workout warrior. He's not gonna be yeah. like a, like a uh, Vernon Golston was, where he just tore the combine up. He was productive in the SEC. He had like you, what 31 and a half sacks in three years. You throw 17 sacks up in one season in the SEC. Yeah. I mean, that's no joke. <laughs> yeah, I feel like their whole situation in the draft. They're in a great spot because the Cardinals might screw this up royally by taking oh, Kyler yeah, Murray yeah. with the first pick oh, instead of Nick Boza. Oh, well, that's a disaster. It, yeah. Think of it last year. Yeah. How do we get Darnold? Because the Giants screwed up the draft. Thank you, Dave Gettleman. <laughs> McCagney's very lucky like this. He seems to have good players fall right in his lap in the first round For every sure. year. The other rounds, that's a even story. um Even t- 2017. Jamal where, Adams. Yeah. You had all oh the speculation God, the Mitch- with the Titans going to draft <laughs> Adams and then <laughs> Mitch Trubisky, they, right? It, it wasn't it the Bears yeah, not, traded up and it kind of like threw everything off, right? Yeah, that was a monkey wrench. Yeah. Yeah, I mean the Jets—they have a—they're in a per- perfect spot at three. Because if Arizona takes uh, Kyle Murray number one, great, you get a guarantee a pick between two of uh, Boza, Allen, or uh, Quinn and Williams. And even at the end of the day, right? Yeah. Like even if Boza goes one, I'm still getting uh, one Williams or Allen, and I'm still and fine with that. Plus, Arizona is smart; they don't take Murray; they take Boza one, and Josh Allen goes two. You're sitting there at three, and you know that John Gruden has love with Kyler Murray, so you're going to get a lot of phone calls from teams looking for him. Very true, very true. Did you hear what uh, Nick Bosa said about uh, if the Cardinals don't select him number one, he's going to make them regret it for the rest of their lives? Yeah, give me that. (laughs) Kudos to uh, Bosa there. All right, being that open yeah, about it. Yeah, the Jet whole face turning on the Cardinals. I said on the top of the show, the Cardinals would be, very, would be idiotic to take Kyler Murray atop, at the top of the draft. Back to the Jets here. Let's go a little rapid fire. They have a lot of players coming off the roster, and we're go, we'll go rapid fire here. We're going to make some decisions here for the Jets, whether they should keep guys, whether they should stay, whether they should go. 
We'll start with Rocky. Josh McCown, stay or go? You got to go because he's getting up there in age. Yes, he's a great guy in a locker room and a great mentor to Sam Darnold, but you saw what happened last year when Darnold was hurt. McCown looked like he didn't want to be there. He didn't want to get tackled, so I think you have to find another quarterback to back up Darnold for this year. All right, Will, Mo Claiborne, interesting, interesting conundrum there. It is, right? Like yeah. It's kind of like you can bring him back. It's kind of like the same situation as last year, like short-term deal, bring him in, like yeah. he's a feasible option. But I would like them to like explore other options. I think Claiborne is, we saw it last year, kind of like a guy who's going to get a lot of penalties. Yeah. I just stay or go like hey if there's other better options come back but i would like to see them move on from him i'm up now buster screen goodbye yes. get yes. that leave please <laughs> like i've seen enough of this over four years he is not a good slot corner how many times do we have to see buster screen commit an asinine penalty on third down seriously <laughs> like how many times did we see that during his jet tenure yeah he only holds that value because he plays that kind of nickel back corner That's, like yeah, the slot without that he's like a god awful cornerback <laughs> yeah and like, i mean when he's on the field he's not very good no he hemorrhages yards yeah. like you said penalties big plays i mean it was time for him to go time for him to go all right i, I think we're all agreed on that rocky how about left guard james carpenter I would say go because you have to get younger at the offensive line as well, and you don't want the Giants, or excuse me, you don't want the Jets to be like the Giants and have offensive line issues. So you got to revamp the O line as well. Okay, will Jermaine curse? Uh, I'm I kind of like I liked him in in, in uh, seventeen right when he yep. came over, had a great year, and last year he got a little whiny, was injured, eh, whatever, goodbye. I, I he doesn't do much for me, you know. There's other options at wide receiver. You can draft a wide receiver. He didn't really do anything spectacular so he can yeah. go back to seattle i think new england's <laughs> where he might end up i think but Whatever. um but um yeah he got he gotta go take a hike yeah because i mean seriously like when he was throwing uh Darnold, Darnold, yeah. under the bus he's like josh mccown runs practice better of course he's gonna run practice better he's been in the league for 15 years <laughs> yeah like like please god that is just so dumb i'm gonna take a shot here at Bilal powell and i love the guy great long-term jet but the time has come he had a severe neck injury they got to upgrade the running back position. I think they got to move on here. I think they got to let him go on his way. Is he going to come back though? Right? Like I, I, I don't know. I like, think I he, remember, he wants to play again. Yeah, yeah. I feel like you know it's not as much like you're saying. It's not as much of a get out of town where it's like I think the time is time good. to move on. The time yeah. has come, and I do. I love Bilal. Great yeah. jet, great jet. You know what? I think I would take him back for a one year contract and see how he does. Like kind of like a prove it year deal. Yeah, well, that depends on what they do with the running back position, which we'll get to later. Rock, agree, yeah. you're up again. It's defensive tackle Steve McClendon, we brought earlier, so they bring him back. I would bring him back on a one-year deal because, you know, you just want to have more. Because, I feel like I said, I feel like the Jets are either going to draft a pass rusher or trade down. And if they do go that route of drafting a pass rusher, it doesn't hurt to have more depth at the yeah. defensive pass rush position. But I would bring him back on a one-year deal. If they don't bring him back, I'm not going to lose sleep over <laughs> it. But yeah. one year, one, a one-year deal for McClendon is, seems feasible. Will, one of the edge rushers on last year's team, Brandon Copeland's a free agent. Yeah, so I, I think he had like five sacks last year. It's kind of funny because like he, he and Jenkins, I thought had like two like decent years, decent years, right? Like Jenkins, I do. I'm a big Jenkins fan, but back to Copeland. Um, yeah. you know, again, it's one of those depth guys. Like if he wants to come back and like depending upon what you have, what you haven't done, um, I would take him back. I mean, five sacks in a limited role is, hey, that's I'll take that, right? Yeah, I mean. You're not a lot of pass rushers out there. A lot of them got tagged. So, you know, if you have a guy who's decently productive in your system, yeah, yeah. might as well bring yeah, him back. A, de- a depth guy who's not wanting to get more reps, who gets – he's efficient on the field, yeah. Yeah, I'd bring him back in a heartbeat. 
Okay, I'm, we're going to special things a little bit. I'll start with Andre Roberts. I think this is a lock that he yep. has to come back. Yes. When you make the Pro Bowl's returner, he should come back. I mean, it'd be nice if he can fit more in the offense, but for, for a team that was great on special teams last year, I'd like to maintain that continuity as much as possible. So I think he has to come back. Yeah, he was a big drive starter, yeah. right? Big drive starter. Yeah, he gave him great field position. He yep. had a couple of touchdown returns, too, yep. both in kicks and punts, which is yep. something they have not had forever. And to have that dual threat, right? Yep. Like yep. sometimes it's one guy who's good at the one, one and not yep. so good at the other. But yeah, he was spectacular all year. All, wasn't he an all pro, right? He was an all pro and he made, and he the made pro the Pro Bowl. Bowl. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Rock, let's stick with special teams. Jason Myers. Oh, this is a no brainer. You yeah. got to bring him back. He yeah. was like Adam Vinatieri last year. <laughs> Another Pro Bowl, right? <laughs> yeah, he made the Pro Bowl too. I agree with that. Very strong season for the Maris product, Jason Myers. And Will. One of our defensive ends, Henry Anderson, traded from the Colts, came yeah. here. We didn't fit the 4 3. Now they're going back to 3 4. Maybe he's fit. Uh, yeah. I, I, at first, I was like, he's gone, right? Yep. Williams is in town. He's gone, going to the 4 3. But no, 3 4. Hey, hey, again, bring him back. And, and then you have the funds. Bring him back and then go spend on the other end. Yeah. But that's just me. Bring Anderson back for sure. Yeah. Plus, he led the team in uh, sacks yeah. last year as well. And another guy like. Not a limited role, but kind of a guy who, like, the first two weeks or so, or, you know, the first, it was kind of like getting his feet wet. And then there was games where he was just game wrecking the game. So. A game against the Texans. I yeah, think he had, yeah. like, three sacks. Yeah, yeah. So, and, and a guy to, a guy like that to be able to take advantage of an awful offensive line, you know, like, hey, you, sometimes you're not going to get him against the good ones, but if you're going to go and play a team like that and be able to exploit them, yeah, give me that. <laughs> Yeah, I remember that game as well. I remember getting the year two. He started out splitting time with Nathan Shepard, which turned out to be an awful pick. Yeah, Shepard. But you know what I mean? Like, like give give Anderson kind of like that full reign. He's easily a double digit sack guy, I would say. Yeah. Okay. Last but not least, this is not a free agent, but they need to cut Isaiah Crowell. Yep. yep. <laughs> they have to because he was terrible last year, and he was a bad. It was in the locker room. I mean, the whole thing with wiping his butt with the football. I mean, come on, dude. Like, he's just not a dynamic runner, too, no. right? Like he's like. like he, he, I think they were kind of trying to catch Chris Ivory in a bottle again. They try to do this every year. They bring a different <laughs> and, version yeah, of that runner in every yeah. year. Plus, he only had, like, one good game, and that was against yeah. the Broncos where he went over for, like, 200 yards. Yeah. And it was benefit from that massive run. Wasn't yeah. there, like, a 70-yarder yeah. in it? Yes. There was, a, there was, like, a 78-yard touchdown yeah. run in there. And I feel like he's just – there's certain guys I feel like are just losing players. I feel like he's a losing player. I mean, he brought the losing from Cleveland with him. The same attitude came over. Agreed. I agree, yeah. Okay, now we've gone through the free agents, and the one guy they've not cut yet, I feel like they will once they get another running back. I feel like Crowell is out the door as soon as they sign someone else. So Yeah, heavily hinted, heavily hinted. Let's go to the actual roster here. Let's take a look at how we should improve these positions. Rocky, you mentioned you did not want Josh McCown back. What would you do for the backup quarterback spot? I mean, I was looking at the free agents or for quarterbacks this upcoming year. It's not a lot, really. I mean, you could bring Davis Webb, but he hasn't had that much experience. I mean, there's Tyrod Taylor, who I think, could be a solid solution because he has some experience but then look at this list like Josh Johnson uh, Josh Johnson Geno Smith you know the Sanchez Mark Sanchez you want to bring the Sanchez back no you don't no Tyrod I think Tyrod might be able to swindle a, a starting job somewhere in like I, Miami if the Miami misses out or something like that I, I feel like Tyrod's ticket for Baltimore to work to uh, work with oh, the backup to Lamar Jackson that's true too yeah that's true too oh, RG3 is another free agent as well but I have no interest in him. <laughs> what about this idea of floating out the pockets a couple times before? What about trading for Blake Bortles and giving and basically extorting a second round pick from Jacksonville to get the uh, take the contract off their hands? Yeah, yeah. Um, 
Yeah, because you can restructure that down the road too. Eh, it's actually not a bad idea. Honestly, it's like the Brooklyn Nets, right? How do you? It's rebuild? an NBA. It's the NBA trade. How do you rebuild with no draft picks, right? And that's what the Nets did. That's a good idea. Actually, I'm kind of fond of that idea. Because because they need the two. They don't have the two. They gave it away from Darnold last year. So and, like, if you- and this draft is kind of like that's where the it's kind of like last year's draft. Like the first round is going to be great, but like that second and third is kind of like where your your carry on Johnson players like yeah, those guys. I've heard be. 16 to 45 is the window you want to be in. Yeah. The Jets are not in there right now. Yeah, and that's yep, yep. Rock, any thoughts on that? On uh, bringing Bort- Blake Bortles? Yeah. I mean, that could be Sanchez 2.0, though, but... He's backing up. That's different. But if he doesn't yeah. play, you know what yeah. I mean? Like, I mean, God, you know, he doesn't play, yes. but, but um, you know, like, you're just bringing him in and he's, he's a placeholder. I mean, I I guess. Will, you... Talk about the scope position a little bit. Where do you think they should do? Um... So, like, receiver, again, it's kind of like free agency is not a big receiver class, right? What are you going to do with the receiver? Running back, obviously. Le'Veon. But I'll be honest, Tevin Coleman, much cheaper, and I think he would be very good, too. Like, I, like give me Le'Veon, of course, but but I would like Coleman, I think. Him and Freeman, like, when Freeman was healthy in yeah. Atlanta, that, that was a dynamic duo, especially during yeah. their Super Bowl run. Well, even last year when Coleman kind of started to take those, like, I mean, in a sense, Coleman's like a poor man's Le'Veon Bell, right? Like, he, but... That's just because he's like, you know, give him yeah. a starting role. I give him like a five million a year contract. I would go and get him. Receiver is kind of iffy. Like, are you going to go pay Tyrell Williams an incredible amount of money? Like, I wouldn't. And yeah. tight end, I love Herndon. I love Herndon. I think Herndon's going to be good. Yeah. But plus, at the wide receiver position, you don't have a lot of top uh, premier uh, free agents. Yeah. That's what I, yeah I mean, yeah. You, you only have like guys like Randall Cobb, um, slot guys. Devin Funches, Funches, Golden Tate. It is. It's a lot of those slots. I would take underneath a, I would, guys. I would, I would take a chance on Golden Tate. Under, yeah. He's a winning under, player. For an underneath guy, for sure. But yeah, I think you might as well. And it's, you know, again, you want to kind of get into that middle of the draft because you might be able to, you know, people say it's a weak wide receiver class. It's just not top heavy. I mean, yep. you can still find good start. I mean, Christian Kirk last year, he was like a yep. second round pick. And yep. yeah, he's a good player. James Washington might get better in Pittsburgh. But, but yeah, it's just this free agent class for wide receivers. These guys are it's like a, th- third string yeah. wide receivers limited, on good yeah. teams. Limited, yeah. very limited. Yeah, I also found a trade earlier today proposed by SMY's Ralph Bacchiano. I want you guys to think about this. That the obviously you heard the rumors yesterday about there was a whole Twitter buzz story about Odell Beckham possibly going to Cleveland. <laughs> Ralph Bacchiano, time of the yeah, year. <laughs> yeah, Ralph Bacchiano came up with a trade proposal for the Jets to get Odell Beckham. I don't know what you guys think about this. The state proposes that the Jets trade Leonard Williams, Robbie Anderson, three and a third round pick to the Giants for OBJ and six. I would do it. You're keeping the three, right? We're yeah, keeping the three? No, it's like, it's We're like, swapping the three. You're, go, you're going from three to six, and you give a third-round pick plus those two players, and, oh, you get, yeah. and you get Beckham and number six. Yes. The question is, is OBJ worth the headache? Yes. This team needs elite offensive talent. They have not had a top receiver in forever. Can you imagine Darnold and him? Can you imagine? You do that, you sign, and you sign Le'Veon Bell, all of a sudden your offense can be like top 15, top half of the league immediately. And then you get a Golden Tate, and it makes much more sense. So basically, if you trade Williams and Anderson, you can just make that up in the draft or free agency and then get a pass rusher in the draft. Because think of it, you're not losing any draft capital with Anderson. He was a a free agent, right? Undrafted free agent. Yeah. And Leo, like, hey, you just cross your fingers at six. You're still, I mean, it's so top heavy at defense, you're going to be able to find someone there. I would do that. I would do that in a heartbeat, to be honest. (laughs) I got to think about that a little more, though, but I'm a little leaning towards no at this moment. Okay. I'll go to the offensive line. I think, to me, the clear thing is I think they need at least two new starters this offseason. I think they need need a center. Obviously, they let Spencer Long go on his way. He went to Buffalo, and they need a left guard. Ideally, 
I think you can get both of those in free agency. I'd like to get like them to go after Roger Saffold, have him be the stabilizer at left guard. He's gonna be a big name, and, yeah. And try and get like Paris to play center because I feel like you just need like proven guys to play in, in that front line. And unless everybody talks about getting a tackle, Calvin Beach was not bad last year, and his cap number is very affordable. So like, unless you're getting a slam dunk upgrade, I think you hold on there for another year. I agree. Yeah, I agree. All right, Rock. Let's go to the defensive line. What would you do? You remember back in 2015 when McCagnan. Uh, it was his first year as the GM, and he brought back Cromartie and Revis, two former Jets. Yeah, I know it's a long shot, but you never know. You Mo Wil- Muhammad Wilkerson and Sheldon Richardson are free agents. They he can make that same move. You uh, never know. Sheldon, maybe <laughs> Mo. I think Mo is well past any. And coming back, he he's coming off an injury too. And he's coming mm. back home. Like the reason he needed to leave was because he was too yeah. close to home. Yeah. No, nah, but I'm just I'm just kidding <laughs> around. Uh, there's Flowers from the Patriots who I think could be a, a solid pass rusher because Clowney and Lawrence already got franchise tag. Yeah, yeah Frank Clark did too out in Seattle. Oh, he did. Right. Yeah. What about Indomitian and Sue? I can be persuaded if you move if you're gonna if you're willing to move Williams back out. Put Indomagun in the middle, yeah, and then maybe you draft one. That's a decent. The thing idea. that worries me about Sue is just the whole fit in the locker room because that's a very yeah. young, impressionable defense. And, and he's, he's also and he's not like right? he's thirty two. He's gonna be thirty three, and like I worry that like if things don't go well, he's got poison all the young players into like having attitude issues. That's true. That's true. Then he might just go. And let's not say he'll go to the Jets, but he'll probably just go to a team that's like built to win now. Yes, exactly. I could so. see, like I could I could he's a prime guy to see saying you know what like Belichick sign me up I'll play for you. So right. it's Flowers yeah. like Flowers is like the only guy left basically. Pretty much. Like pass yeah. rusher. I, I didn't know Clark got tagged. Yeah. Well. Hmm. <laughs> All right. <laughs> News to me right now. <laughs> no, you get you get that task. You get to, how would you address the edge rusher spot? Well, that's what I was gonna. I really, I swear, I yeah, I must have slipped through the cracks. I had no idea that Clark got tagged. I was gonna say Clark, cause, yeah. um, but I guess you know a guy who like really would fit in though, who I think really might become a Jet is Ziggy Ansah, yeah. because like his his market's a little bit low. Like he's been injured. I think bringing in a Ziggy Ansah would be decent. I mean, obviously, like Trey Flowers, of course, yeah. but. I do like the idea of Jamie Collins. I really yeah. do. Right when he got released yesterday, I thought, why not bring him in? Yeah. He knows the Williams defense. He can. Yeah. He is an edge rusher. Like I yeah. think the problem in Cleveland was they they put him in coverage too yeah. much. Like everybody talked about how bad he was in coverage. Like just come here, be a pure edge rush guy for for like a d- cheaper. Yeah. I, yeah. Also, I was thinking about the like, if you really got desperate, I'll see what a Clay Matthews would be for a year and see what he can do, and then you know. You know, I take a flyer a, on Matthews. Yeah, he's not a long-term solution, but like for now, as you hold over, yeah. Oh, Fowler, he's I'm been like Fowler. I'm not that big on Fowler to be honest. I I, I I do it for the right price. But like to me though, is he he's ever really his he's career good. has eight sacks. Though. I mean, I know it's been limited down there true too, and like he was kind of I don't know. I'm I'm just not that big on Fowler. But also there was like reports that he wanted like a four-year deal. I don't think the Jets and McCagney are going to give him that. But if it was like a two-year deal, I, I'd take a chance on Fowler, Fowler, I mean, Fowler too. I know he's dynamic. He can put him down. He can, he can be a red rusher. I, to me, they, prove me wrong, right? Like, yeah. prove me wrong. But to me, I just, I'm not that big on him. I don't know. I, I, something about him. Okay, I'll go last year. I'll go with the secondary. Which I think, obviously, they need two corners because yes. I don't think either Claiborne or Screen will be back. I think Claiborne is more likely than Screen just based on, like, if they can't get a good outside corner, I think that would be an option. But, like, I think when it's underrated here, I think they need to go into the safety market because there's so many good ones out there, and Marcus May cannot stay healthy for save his life. When he's on the field, he's great, but I think they need to go get somebody. 
Yeah. I don't think it should be Landon Collins because he and Jamal Adams are basically the same player. Very similar in the box safety. In the box safety. So putting two, unless you're making him into like a hybrid linebacker, I don't think Landon Collins fits here. But like you could get try and get somebody like Kenny Vaccaro would be a good fit, like something like that. Uh, I like Trey Boston. Yeah. Kind of like a ball hawk a yeah. little bit. Earl Thomas. What about him? I don't think he's going to come here. Too much money. I'd ra- if I'm paying the money, I'd rather go give it to guys in their prime, not guys coming off broken legs. Haha, Clinton Dix is intriguing too because I think if you play him, ass- like I know he, it's funny, right? Like all these safeties, it's like Haha's out of position. Collins isn't a good center fielder. Like if you pair Haha with a uh, with um, Jamal, I think that'd be perfect because yeah. Haha's a ball hawk. I mean, I'd be down. I'd be down for that yeah. in an instant. And Jamal Adams is doing a great job recruiting. He's been on Twitter for weeks now, basically pitching everybody under the sun. Hey, come play for the Jets. I want, come work with me. Yeah. I, I do wish – and you hear back to Marcus May. Bart Scott said he thinks May has the potential to be better than Adams, which I think is a little far-fetched. Jamal Adams yeah. is probably one of the best players we've seen on the Jets was, in years. I was say, you, you can't really, like, dismiss May. He had, he was had, he had oh, an he's injury still year. Good. Yeah. He's still yeah, good. I'm not saying get rid of May. I'm saying right. get another guy in here because oh, you yeah, can't like, count on Oh, yeah, like add more depth? Yeah. yeah. Yep. Because like if you could do the three safety thing that both wanted to do, we couldn't do. But like if you did that with like two guys, these two plus should, another guy would be great. He should have signed Matthew yeah. last year. I still stand by that. Yeah. For a guy who can play like slot corner safety, yeah. like why would you not get him? But that's I regress. <laughs> All right, let's last thing here. We we go on for the Jets for a while. Let's wrap it up. Rock, what is the most important thing they have to do in the offseason? Address the offensive line and the defensive line. Because like I said earlier in the podcast, you do not want to be with like you want you do not want to be in the same predicament as the Giants having offensive line issues and can get any rhythm going and your offense is pretty much going to be crap so it's got to be the offensive line first and then the defensive line well what about you um offense side of the ball offensive side of the ball um i think yeah obviously defense is big but greg williams will do that he'll handle that i have full faith in him which is maybe bad but i have full faith in him but i th- you gotta get playmakers around sam Darnold because we saw last year like there were games we were in, and you might win them if you have capable players around him. Like I, I'm sold on him. I think most of us are. Now you got to go give him the guys to take him to the next level, and I think that's so important. You can't go back into this year with Terrell Pryor and Jermaine Curse, you know those type players. Yeah, for me, it's very simple. It's go get top guys. Yeah. You have a hundred million dollars in salary cap yeah. room. Please stop sharpening in the fruit and nut section, as Scott Boris would say. Like, yeah. please, like you have no excuse not to go get Le'Veon Bell to give Darnold a weapon because you have to spend this money somewhere. He's on a rookie deal. Now it's time to do what the Rams did no, load up, and load up with all these great players, bring them in, and try and win right now. That's a new trend, right? Yeah. Like you're seeing it in um, Baltimore too a little bit. They're cutting guys to bring better guys in to yeah. put around him, and it's a, it is so beneficial. You got this guy in a rookie contract. You have to do that. Yep. All right, Will. I know you're sticking around. We do some we do baseball beating a minute. Rock. Before we let you go, do you want to let everybody know how to follow you on social media and some of the stuff you're up to? What am I up to? Yeah. Well, I'm a seasonal video. I'm a video. I'm a seasonal video assistant for Columbia University's football team. Our spring ball is going to be coming up in a few weeks, and uh, I do some fill-in work for Verizon Files as a videographer. And been in a few weeks, that's going to be ten months. That I'm going on to that. And I also hear you have a SoundCloud channel as well, where you put out some of your own podcasts. Yes, I do a little uh, SoundCloud, and I have a little podcast at home. And I do it for leisure. Very nice. So, I mean, if you want to follow you on Twitter, how would they do that? It's the Rock underscore nineteen nine five four. The Rock underscore nine five four. Rocky, thank you for all the time. I appreciate it. Thank you, Mike, for having me. Not a problem. Up next, we're going to go back to the baseball beat. Will will stay with us. Anthony Sorvalini is coming in. We'll talk about the headlines this week and preview the National League right after this. <laughs> Baseball beat.
All right, it's time for the baseball beat. Will Snyderhand still here with us. Savage Rock has left the building, but Anthony Sarbalini has come into the studio. Time to talk some baseball. Anthony, how are you doing today? Doing good, Mike. How are you? Doing good. We were going to originally be on next week. We were talking about the NL preview at that point, but so much happened this week. So much news happened that I decided to bump these guys back up a week. So we had to talk about baseball, starting with the big news of the week. Bryce Harper, 13 years, $330 million to the Philadelphia Phillies. No opt-outs, no trade clause. So he's a Philly for life, bros. What do you think? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, so before, <laughs> as we were saying before, yeah. before the mishap, no, but uh, yeah, it's insane. It, it's incredible to, to, like, just keep yourself with a team for that long, I feel like. It's like, I don't know, for me, it's just like, I think it says a lot about him, because I don't think he's really willing to, like, go, you know, like, keep trying to be that guy in his career, go to teams and win championships. I, for yeah. some, it seems like an easy way out, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Like, oh, I signed this 13-year contract. Now you have to put the talent around me. It just seems like an easy way out yeah. for me. Well, Bryce has been under so much scrutiny since he was in high yeah. school. I mean, he was probably one of the biggest, if not the biggest prospect oh, easily. of his generation coming easily, up. So easily. he's just like kind of like reverse LeBron mentality. Don't want to take any of the blame, stuff like that. Just be like, like you said, just build around me let's see what we can do but i'm just kind of shocked like of all places he wants to stay in philly for he, 13 years i don't think he wants to i don't I, think he wants I, it's I, just I, the money it was yeah, just yeah, there it was there yeah he clearly had one goal he, he wanted to beat 326 he beat 326 and he said you know what like i want full control where i'm gonna be so that's why he has the no trade too so basically philly yeah. can't try and dump him after two years but like the marlins did but it took thir- it took it took it to get to 13 years to beat <laughs> mm-hmm. it where it's like uh, Maggie Gray saying on the fan, I think it's like, is that even impressive? It took 13, like, it's not 3.30 over 8. It's not 3.30 over, you know, 6. It's yeah. th- not even 3.30 over 10. It's 3.30 over it's- 13. I mean, that's not, to me, whatever then. You beat the number. Congratulations. <laughs> yeah, and by the way, the highest paid outfielder per year, still Yoenis Cespedes, is getting nothing yeah. from the Mets. <laughs> At least the Mets lead something. Yeah, but <laughs> you like to wonder about the Phillies. They're going to regret this contract down the road because, I mean, everybody knows Bryce Harper 2015 was ridiculous. He hit 330, 42 homers, 9 RBIs, mm-hmm. OPS of 11.09 and worth 9.1 more, which is ridiculous. But the f- three years oh, after yeah. that, so inconsistent. 16, 243, 24, 86, 814 OPS, 17, 319, 29, 87, 1008. So he closer to that, but he only played 111 games. He got hurt. Last year, he hit 249, 34, 100, 889 OPS. I mean, that's the guy giving 13 years to? I mean, I thought from like the get go, like years ago, before like his free agency thing was coming up, I didn't think he was, when he was coming out saying, like, I want 300, 400 million dollars, I didn't even think he was worth it then. Yeah, I don't I even think he's worth it now after that. He had the one yeah. good year the past three years his MVP season, but other than that, like you said, he's been teeter-tottering, been so inconsistent. Yeah. Isn't it ironic, though, because Arietta won Cy Young in 15, right? Yeah. Isn't it ironic that, like, both those guys were talking about all this money they were going to bank mm-hmm. after one good year? Yeah. I remember Arietta, I want to be the, dude, you're lucky you got a three-year deal with the <laughs> Phillies. But, like, it's funny, like Harper, that 15 years, no doubt. I mean, that was like an iconic season. Yeah. But, like, you know, like we've watched him a billion times with the Mets. I've never once really been like, like, of course, you're like, oh, crap, Harper's up. But you're not like, wow, like, there's going to be, the, you know, it's like, oh, right. let's just get him out. You can get him out. Like, I remember when I went to see yeah. Trout play the Mets yeah. a few years ago, there's like a situation where the bases are loaded, and I'm like, oh, forget it. There's no way they get yeah. out of yeah. this. I mean, they did, but like, it's different, right? Well, Trout. Harper is such a different player than Trout. Yeah. It's so different. But doesn't, like, Harper is just like, 
I, he's just like he's like a guy. Like he strikes out a lot. He's like a left-handed power hitter. I mean, yeah. that's yeah. what he is, right? Like he's not a dynamic hitter. I don't yeah. think fifteen. He was dynamic. Fifth, well, fifteen was that. But you're like, not going to see that again, right? Yeah. Like Trout. Like tr- it's just like how. Are, I know it's a different yeah. argument. Like I'm yeah. kind of getting myself into, but like. Harper really isn't anything that insane. Well, you think, I mean, going up, piggybacking off of that, like, different argument, but, like, Trout, you see your stereotypical 5 tool player. Yeah. Harper, you don't. No, yeah. Harper, uh, Har- Harper is more of your... Yeah. Well, def- defensively, he's decent. Offensively is where you're going to want him. But, like you said, yeah. he strikes out way too yeah, often. You just, stuff, you just stuff him in the corner, right? Yeah. He's got a strong arm, but you stuff him in the corner. He, he's yeah. nothing like $330 million. Like you said, I mean, 250 My God. Yeah. You could have yeah. got anybody to bat 250 <laughs> Yeah, and now, obviously, you mentioned Mike Trout. He's already talking about, you know, in 2021, I want Mike Trout here with me. You think that's actually a possibility? <laughs> Uh, just because I do think Trout really does want to go home. I think he wants to go yeah, home. Yeah. And and I, I think you – hey, if I'm the Phillies, I'll mortgage myself in other positions if you give me those two guys, yeah. you think. But I don't know. I, I mean, hey, I, to me, though, it's like, again, like you're already talking about getting another guy in here. Like, to me, like Let's, like, focus on right now. <laughs> he's just – Yeah, two years. What could happen two years? So mm-hmm. much – has been shown about this guy, mm-hmm. and, and I don't, I don't know if Trout would want to come in and play with him, right? Do you think? I mean, Trout's yeah. your, your Trout's your kind of play. like that. He's like head down too, player. Right? Yeah. Doesn't want to. He's you just be quiet, go play ball. Where Harper's the, oh yeah, he's just that braggadocious guy. You know, he had that whole campaign, make baseball fun again, I stuff know. like that. I just, like, I, can you see Trout with him? It just, yeah. No, I couldn't. See it's it. kind of like when like they were trying to repair Kyrie Irving and mm-hmm. LeBron and Isaiah Thomas and LeBron. It was like, yeah, these guys obviously don't like. You each You know what? Other. Like the Harper Trout dynamic kind of reminds me of it was like when A Rod first came to the oh, Yankees. Jeter. With Jeter. Yeah. Okay, I like that. Uh, I that's like that. more. I mean, I see where you're going with the bas- with the basketball no, no, reference too, but good, like yeah. just so. A-Rod and Harper yep. just so out there personality-wise, and then Jeter and Trout just so quiet to themselves, yeah. to the team. Yeah, And Jeter and A-Rod didn't go over too well. I mean, no. they won one, but... Nah. They won one. They're not, they're not the greatest friends off no. the field. No. But they, yeah. All right, let's get to extension season a little bit. We have some new extensions to talk about. Nolan Arenado will not be a Yankee next year. Eight years, $260 million <laughs> extension with the Colorado Rockies. Opt-out after three, so unlike Harper, he decided he wants to take a <laughs> bet on himself. So, any thoughts on that deal? I think it's a smart deal for him specifically yeah. because... You're giving yourself that opt out, right? Yeah. Like maybe, maybe I'll, I'll pocket my money the first three years, and maybe I'll test free agency. But he's also thinking like, hey, I I have two hundred and sixty million dollars, and you know if he hits the open market, what's the first thing people are going to say about him? Coors Field. He plays at Coors yeah. Field. Yeah. He knows, right? Smart move. Hey, I'll, hey, I can bet on myself in three years, or I just stick to what I have. Yeah. I think it's a brilliant move. No, it's him. a great move. Yeah. I think I think. Also, too, just being with the Rockies, I think he likes that, too. That was yeah, a little bit yeah. more. I wouldn't be surprised if he does decide to not opt out and stay for the duration oh, yeah. of it. But, I, like you said, just overall smart move for him. Good for the game, too. Kyle uh, to keep a guy like that around and not have to worry about him leaving for the Yankees. It's huge. I yeah. think it's huge. It yeah. says a lot. And, and, and I know the player union is, is all that's a mess right now, but like I, I don't think a lot of people hit on it like you did. That's a huge win for yeah. them because it's like, hey – these teams can spend money and they can keep their talent. Yeah, absolutely. Another extension of note: Miles Mikolas, the pitcher, came over from Japan last year, <laughs> yeah, four for sixty-eight for the Cardinals. I think a surprise they gave extended him that quickly after one good year. Yeah, why not? Yeah, I mean, right, right. Yeah. It's just because they're kind of like in that little like it seems like they're kind of in like a two or three year window right yep. now. So mm-hmm. it's kind of like whatever, you know. Hey, smart move. You know, there's not a lot of sub three guys out there, but you never know. This guy can come in and just. 
implode. He's kind of like your typical like roll the dice yeah. kind of guy. Oh, for what sure. you're gonna get. But for sixty eight million, like people, oh wow, but nah, yeah, eh, whatever. If it Cardinals. doesn't work, it doesn't it's work. It's only three years, yeah. right? You eat it. Yeah, for sure. And again, with the extended season, the Mets still not extending anybody. You know, they have a lot of guys they could. The guys that could extend Degrom, they could extend Syndergaard, they could extend Michael Conforto, they could extend Ahmed Rosario. They are not doing anything and I mean, that drives you up a wall i don't know how you guys deal with it i mean I'm, <laughs> as a yankee fan i don't i don't see why you guys aren't extending any why the mets aren't extending anybody I mean, it's to, just to be honest like extend the grom already like it has to be done but like conforto you had a better chance of like anything under the sun happening before boris because that's his agent boris is not going to sign an extension well, he did with strasburg <laughs> But Stra- that was post Tommy John, yeah, right? Yeah, Strasburg was a different circumstance. Yeah. I, I think, I, and they did blow him away. Didn't yeah. the Nationals blow him away? Yeah. I, you think the you know the Mets aren't all ponying up for Conforto right now? But Degrom, it's like just sign Degrom already. Just sign him. And <laughs> Syndergaard, I think Syndergaard and Degrom, it's your clear cut cases. Ahmed, I'm pretty sure he's still in contract renewal stages. I'm not losing sleep over that, but but I'm definitely Degrom and Syndergaard. I mean, the thing I heard last week, I don't know if you saw Charles Sherman's article over the weekend. Apparently, that Fred Wilpon is the reason why that they don't, that they have not oh, gotten no. far. Oh, well, yeah. It, because, I like, Fred, because Fred's like, I, Fred apparently has gotten so annoyed that they've gotten burned on their long term deals with the guys like Johan Santana, Wright, Cespedes, Jason Bay, that he's like, you know what? I don't want to give another long term contract. I don't have to. So, yeah, but that, and that's a, that's, another that's, example why they can't yeah. own this team that way. Yeah. You can't do that. Because here's my problem with this. This drives me insane with the Wilpons thing. It's like, you know what? Like, Yes, you've gotten burned on bad contracts. Yes, Johan Santana did not work out for you. Yes, David Wright got hurt, and that's unfortunate. Yes, Cespedes got hurt, and that's also unfortunate. But you know what? The answer is never spend less money. The no. answer <laughs> is not, I, you know what? We can't give out long-term contracts. And the Mets are not smart enough where you can say, you know what? The sport is doing A. We can do B and win. They have not shown they can do that. No. So. And also, of what long-term contract does work, really? Pablo Sandoval, a train oh, wreck. Uh, Jacoby Ellsbury, a train wreck. I forgot wreck. he was on the team. Uh, <laughs> I really forgot he was on the team. You could argue CC Sathia, back end, train wreck. Tessera, back end, train wreck. A-Rod, train wreck. A-Rod, train wreck. Well, like, none of these big contracts ever work. So you're going to sit there and act as though, yeah. like, you're the only team? Yeah. <laughs> and to make matters worse... They took on years five, oh, six to ten of Robinson yeah. Cano from thirty six <laughs> to forty one. You can't pay Jacob the Grom from thirty to thirty five. No, it's no, no the, big contract ever. Worked. The Robinson Cano thing just I don't I don't know where that came from. I know. Where you're not even extending. But you know yeah. what I mean? Like we just sat there and said, "Oh, that Harper deal is going to be bad for one side. Machado yep. deal that might be bad for one side." Like, yeah, because they're big contracts. <laughs> yeah. They don't yeah. work. Yeah. <laughs> they don't work. <laughs> yeah, but like as far as the Grom, I mean, I know signing pitchers long term is risky, but well, he, no, for he, sure. But he is. I mean, he converted as a pitcher yeah. in college, so he has a lot less mileage than his arm. Mm-hmm. Like Madison Bumgarner does, the same age. He's already had Tommy John, and like he is built well. He's not. He's not like Syndergaard, who has like these muscle problems, gets injured all the time. He's very yeah. lanky and like just yogi. You'll still have three or four, maybe even five good years yeah. from Degrom. Speaking of pitcher yeah. injuries, yeah, the big one, Luis Severino, shut down for two weeks with shoulder rotator cuff inflammation. Anthony, how concerned should the Yankees be about this? Uh, how concerned should they be? I'd be pretty concerned about yeah, it. Uh, they should be pretty concerned about it. I mean, not only is he your ace, but he's like the backbone of your rotation. He's the youngest guy in the rotation. Like, yeah. He's the guy you lean on and losing him for two weeks. It's not even two weeks. It's the fact that he's got the starters rolling for him again. So he's basically out until like the, the end of April. Yeah. I mean, he's gonna definitely no shot. He's going to be back ready for opening day. It's just it's such a blow to already okay-ish rotation. I yeah. mean, we saw it. I think this might have to do with stemming back from last year 
to a degree because I mean we saw him slow down. Yeah, oh, the second half. Was the second miserable. half, he was just done. So maybe this makes me think that you know, rotator cuff inflammation that something might have been there, stemming from the second yeah. half of last last season. So. Yeah, I, I, I mean, there's an easy fix, right? There's a guy out there who could maybe come in and be a decent pitcher before then. That was oh, Keiko, yeah. but or even Gio Gonzalez. Gio, I did see reports that they might be going yeah. after Gio. But, but a lot, of, I, I Martino, Andy Martino, I think it was reported today. I guess in the industry, a lot of people think his stuff has regressed a yeah. lot. So mm-hmm. I don't know if you want to do that, but yeah, like you said, he's the. He's, Severino yeah. is your headlining pitcher in your staff. He was great at times last year and helped the Yankees get to where they are. And you lose a guy with that upside and that potential. It's it's a big blow. I mean, look at hey, you're yeah. talking to two guys exactly that, that saw I mean, Syndergaard, Degrom, and Harvey and Matts go down in the same year. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that was some year that was. Let's not let's not relive that. So, <laughs> last thing in the news section here, we have some proposed roster rules that the union agreed to for 2020. The active roster going up to 26. September rosters are going down to from 40 yes. to 28. That, yeah, yeah, that's with a cap of 13 pitchers for the first five months at 14 September, along with okay. the three batter minimum coming in. But I would do that trade off because the September roster thing is the stupidest thing in baseball Mor- right now. <laughs> Moronic. <laughs> I mean, 40 people yeah. is ridiculous. I, mean, I don't mind the call offs, but 40 people is so yeah. much. I and mean, I, it's also not. It's not even like the balance. I mean, you've got games where like. Like Dusty Baker and the Nationals have forty pe- people on the roster. The Mets have like twenty-seven. Well, I, was, yeah. I was about to say, like, not every team right, does yeah. do the forty. I think it's probably pretty rare, but still, the option to have forty exactly. freaking players in like, the most important games of the season, no less. No, and and, and, right. You're, and you're right. And, and the best part about it is the pitchers, right? Yeah. I mean, because this forty man, it's like yeah, positions, whatever. Some positional players come up, but it's specifically for pitchers. Yeah. And, I remember. I remember one Met National game two two years ago where Dusty was managing the Nationals. Like every free inning, he's like. Oh, Changing the picture. Uh, Changing the picture. Yeah. I'm like, come on. These guys need work, right? Yeah. It's ridiculous. Yeah. And, it, and I know I know that was a big hot topic. Yeah. Like Gary Cohen, I think. Was it Gary or Ron? One of them was like. Would have a coronary yeah. when yeah. the idea would come yeah. up. So, yeah. yeah. I think this is a great idea. Another thing that came out of this rule, is that, that this uh, proposal, is that they're gonna, they want to overhaul the all-star voting process. So, basically, what they want to do God. is create an all-star election day. So, you're going to have like. During the year, you do your online voting like usual, but instead of it just being the online vote determines the winner, you pick the top three at each position for each league. So, like, let's say first base and the top three end up being in the National League. Let's say Freddie Freeman, uh, Paul Goldschmidt, mm-hmm. and let's say Joey Votto. And then on one day, you will vote for those three guys. And then, and then, like, you basically have one day where they can basically blow out the all-star process and make it all take over the social media. I mean, yeah, I'd like it to a degree, but I don't want to see somebody not get a get a uh, all star spot because of that. Like, I don't really like the fan voting as it is already because I think too many people. It's too much more of a popularity contest. <laughs> the 2016 oh Royals, or no, sorry, 2015 Royals. Wasn't yeah. that when it was they stuffed it the ballot? It was the whole team. And Elcidis Escobar was starting the yep. freaking game. Yeah, I mean, it's it's such a popularity contest that. But then, do you move it to the writers? Give them the vote too, stuff like that. I don't know. You got to find a happy medium, I think. Well, yeah, I, I like the idea of kind of like you're, you know, you're picking starters or mm-hmm. whatever. That's definitely a good idea. Yeah, I kind of like that. But to be honest, I don't really have a gripe with the MLB All Star Game outside of like, yeah, the Royals. Um, and there's another team a few seasons ago that the Cubs, the Cubs after yeah, they won, Cubs, the, yep. they stuffed the bat where it's like, really, come on. But like to be honest, like just situationally, just do something about it yeah. then, right? Because. 
at the end of the day, the only All Star game that really holds any value and like where the where the players do get recognized is still the MLB All Star mm-hmm. game. So I don't think it's that much of a crisis, but finding a way around it, yeah, makes sense. I mean, there has to be some kind of because you don't you don't want you don't. Alcides Escobar was batting like 220 that year, and he he almost started the All Star game. Yeah, that's ridiculous. Just, yeah, it was literally insane. I could not believe that that and happened. Omar Afonte wasn't <laughs> Omar Afonte, and he wasn't even playing. Yeah. It was that was really bad. The other positive thing to come out of this proposal, not the size of the All Star game, is I think, and the roster expansion is the whole idea that they've agreed to talk next year about the economic issues in the game. I think it's a huge win for those of us who don't yep. want to strike. Yep. Yeah. Because I'm very excited about that. Because I was worried that you know that everybody's sort of stuck in the war chest. Say, okay, once mm-hmm. the CBA expires, we're going to go to war. We're going to shut the game down to get, fix this. But. Having dialogue is better than just sitting there and just ignoring yeah. everybody. No, I'd rather have that, like you said. And I like it because because it, it also so shows that, like, the players aren't stupid, right? At the end of the day, yeah, the big guys got their $300 million contracts. But, again, like I think we were saying last time on the podcast, that's not what the market is. That's not what yeah, the issue is. The market's is. completely changed. The issue is that. that Kimbrell doesn't have a job, that Adam yeah. Jones doesn't have a job, that Gio Gonzalez, that these mid-guys don't have a job, and that's the issue. 100%. Let's take a quick break. We'll come right back. We'll get into our NL preview right after this. So one out and one on, and Pete Alonso will come up. Alonso drives one deep to center over the head of Pache. It's out of here. Pete Alonso on the first pitch he sees in spring training displays the power that Met fans have been salivating for. A two-run homer in his first spring at bat from a player who had 36 in the minor leagues last year. And the Mets have tied the game at two. All right, back. We're back on the baseball beat. Will Schneiderhand, Anthony Starbellini. We are talking National League preview here. Like we did a couple weeks ago, we have each taken a division. I have taken the National League East. Will has the Central once again. Anthony has taken the NL West. We're going to break down each division, highlight the big moves in the offseason, whether or not these teams got better or worse. I will get us started in the NL East with the Atlanta Braves. The Braves, kind of quiet this offseason, but they did do some interesting stuff. Brought back Brian McCann, a catcher. That was nice. The big move for them, the one-year $23 million deal for Josh Donaldson to play third base. Obviously, he holds the fourth there for a year until their prospect, Austin Riley, is ready. They bring back Nick Marcakis. They lose some starting pitching, though. They let Anibal Sanchez go, and Brandon McCarthy's gone as well. I feel like they kind of stayed the same, which, in this division, not good, considering the other three got better. I do yeah. think it's kind of sorry. I do think it's kind of safe though, right? Like I do think I, what I respect is that they recognize that last year they were not ready, yeah, and they're recognizing now that they're still not ready. Because when you look mm-hmm. at those prospects and those pitching prospects like Anderson, um, Soroka, there's another one too, Tuki um, Toussaint. Yeah, like they know, hey, we're still a little bit away, so let's not go too crazy. I, I respect that move by them. Yeah, but, I think the one thing that kind of jumps out to me is. By grabbing uh, Josh Donaldson for a year, yeah, I think that's like I mean they think they know they can get there. Like you said, they're not ready, ready, but I mean bringing in that veteran leadership too, yeah, is such a. I mean Josh Donaldson, yeah. he's still gonna get. I mean yeah, he was injured for most he's of last 30, year. Guy, he's still gonna give you, under. yeah. Well, I also do think it's like if they're really bad too, come July, you pawn him off also oh, yeah. for something. So I, th- I think it's yeah, I like what the Braves did as much as I don't like the Braves. Yeah, <laughs> yeah they'll probably sneak into the playoffs. <laughs> All right, let's go to Will with the NL Central here. Tell us about the defending NL Central champions, the Milwaukee Brewers. Kind of a you know, it's kind of funny like the Braves branch off the Braves, right? A team that really didn't do much. Oh, the yeah. Milwaukee Brewers didn't really do much. I mean, you're bringing Yasmani Grandal for a year, bring back uh, Mustakis. Um, 
It's like with you know Stern, their GM. He never really does anything crazy, right? Yeah. It's always close to the vest. Anything that's efficient, do it. And I do kind of like what they, as far as standing, saying Pat. You know, you do kind of wish you, they get, they got a frontline starter in there if you're if you're yeah. a Brewers fan. But I like what they did. I think they're still the fav, not clear cut maybe, but still the favorites in that division. But you're kind of banking a lot on like the Jesus Aguilar's to do yeah. it. Yeah, and I don't know if he's gonna do that again. And I don't know how you don't go out and get anybody. A pitcher, a pitcher. I or think if, if you add even a, like, like Dallas Keuchel is still. We've out been saying there, that for three weeks right? now. Get yeah. Dallas Keuchel, in Milwaukee, because like. Low Kane is out there. He's mm-hmm. good. Yelich, great. Exactly. I mean, Braun is Braun. Travis Shaw, Mike Moustakis. I guess Monty Grandal. Like, I like the pieces they have, but this, the, they need the pitching, right? Well, this team was a game yeah. away from the World Series. And they had no they, pitching, right? They exactly. Had, that's um, what they ran out of. Like, Woodruff was going out mm-hmm. there. Um, they tried bullpen the playoffs. Wade Miley. Yeah. Yeah, and it was too much. Yeah. They pretty much bullpenned yeah. the game seven. Yeah. It was a bullpen game for game seven. The start, they needed to get a starter. I think that's where you're kind of worried, definitely, yeah. as a fan. Yeah, they got some issues. And, again, David Stern, I know you're not listening to this podcast, but go sign Dallas Keuchel. Yeah, <laughs> please. The man needs a job. He's a great fit for your rotation. Or even bring Gio back in. Yeah. Like, man. I think Gio would be a good fit for that. Yeah. Because he was decent there down yeah. the stretch. Why yeah. not? Okay, let's go to the NOS now. Anthony, start with the defending National League champion, L.A. Dodgers. Well, I mean, the Dodgers just got better. Yeah. I mean, what else is new? They're going to win the West without a doubt. I mean, they traded Puig, but when they got rid of Puig, I mean, they added A.J. Pollock. I mean, it's such a such a big upgrade. They if added healthy, right? Yeah, yeah right. Uh, added Joe Kelly, stuff like that. I mean, they're just hands down the team to beat in the National League. Yeah. Easily. Who did they end up getting as the catcher? Didn't they trade for Russell Martin? Yeah, they, yeah, they traded for Russell Martin, Martin, Martin. Yep. And I feel like he's a good, good fit going back to L.A. Yeah, I mean, he grew up in that system, yeah. so I mean, he's a good defensive guy, right? You know, he's kind of your, back there. he's kind of like your bulldog guy back there. They'll probably knock twenty out if he's playing. Yeah, I can see that. I mean, he's just he just works hard as a catcher. Yeah. All right, let's continue on. We'll go with the Nas- back to the NL East. I'll go with the Washington Nationals. They started out here. They signed Trevor Rosenthal at the beginning of the offseason. They actually did a lot of stuff. Kurt Suzuki, Jan Gomes, overhaul the catching position. The big move is Patrick Corbin, six years, one forty. Beat the Yankees out for him, which I was surprised that that happened. Trade Tanner Arch to the Reds. Yeah, signed Matt Adams, Anibal Sanchez, Brian Dozier, Jeremy Hellickson, but they lost Bryce Harper, and that's the big loss. I think that's actually going to help them, though. I feel like Harper did hold them back a little bit. I feel like they're mm-hmm. a more complete team, and I feel like they're not as reliant on the power as they were with Harper. I feel yeah. like they're still good. I think they're still the favorites in this division. I feel like they're, they're top three, if healthy, of Scherzer, Strasburg, and Corbin is tough to beat. Well, also, like, it's finally you're going to finally give Victor Robles a shot, right? Yeah. So yeah, it's a win-win, and Juan Soto looks like a stud. So yeah, I, I as again as much as I hate to say it because I really don't like them, they are poised for another good year. It's just I don't. Know, I feel like the Nationals are like that team that's always always overestimated. Yep. It's like oh, they oh, don't yeah, ever easily. do anything ever. No, yeah. I mean, how funny would it be Harper, if though. how funny would it be if like this was a team that won the World Series, right? Like yeah. uh, <laughs> Harper, there was as as Harper with you. Yeah. Yeah. As soon as Harper leaves, they win. Yeah, that'd be hilarious. I mean, I could see it. Like Mike, yeah. to your point, like don't rely too much on Bryce's power. Kind of yeah. just like spread the ball out, stuff yeah. like that. And Rendon's a stud that yeah. nobody yeah. talks about. Yeah, Rendon in a walk year will have a huge year as well. I believe. Yeah. All right, let's go to the NL cent- back to the NL Central. We'll talk about the Chicago Cubs, and I don't think they did a ton. If I remember no, correctly, no, and you know, apparently they were. In on the Harper sweep sweepstakes for about ten minutes, yeah. <laughs> um, but no, I, I, the Cubs are one of those teams where the World Series hangover got them in six, uh, seventeen. Last year they were injured a lot. I think this year, you know, give them another, you know, give them another. They're healthy. They're all back in the room. 
again, I think that's a team that like they battle it out with the Brewers a little bit. Um, but yeah. as I'll talk about later, the NL Central actually, I mean, there's a lot of NL divisions outside of the West that are, yeah. uh, the, a lot of the only two other divisions. <laughs> they're going to be competitive. Yeah. Um, but I do the Cubs. You know, they're poised for a bounce back if do Darvish can pitch well. He goes like healthy. I mean, there's a lot of things that that you can look forward to as a Cubs fan. Chris yeah. Bryant needs to be healthy too for the Cubs. And, and that's oh, what I mean. Time. You know what yeah. I mean? You know, mm-hmm. like when you when when health health is a contingency. But yeah, yeah hey. When they're healthy, you got Chris Bryant. And I mean, Anthony that's Rizzo. the case for that's the case for every team. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Chris, healthy, you know, like Chris Bryant, former MVP. Like last year, you got nothing from him basically. Exactly. Yeah. So, okay, let's go back to the NL West. Anthony, talk about the Colorado Rockies. I mean, the Rockies lost so many key assets from last year. I mean, they lose out of Vino, you lose Cargo, free agency. I don't know why they don't bring him back. DJ LeMay, he was gone. I mean, I could see them finishing second in the division. They're not going to catch the Dodgers. I mean. They'll, they'll take a step back from what they did last year, but, I mean, you still have pretty decent amount to be excited for in Colorado. I mean, you just brought, brought back Arenado, so. Yeah, you retained Arenado. Plus, I think Daniel Murphy's going to kill the ball in Colorado. Oh, my yeah, God. He's gonna be like a, he might win another another uh, batting title. Yeah. I think he literally hit, like, 350 out there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that big outfield, gap to gap. <laughs> You're going to see him just be a start. Yeah. Well, yeah. it was funny. That, real quick on his fantasy baseball, the fantasy baseball draft last night. <laughs> rarely do you see a projected batting average of 325. That's what his projected <laughs> batting average was. <laughs> that is ridiculous. <laughs> Good to know. My fantasy baseball draft in a couple of weeks, so I got to get rid of that. <laughs> but right, 325 yeah. is a lot. <laughs> yeah. We're actually talking about fantasy baseball on the podcast next week with my, buddy, with my buddy Phil. We'll get to that next week. But I'll go back to the National League Central. I mean, National League East for a bit. I'm going to the team of the offseason, the Philadelphia Phillies. I mean, we obviously know they brought Harper in, but they've done a lot of other stuff as well. They traded Carl Santana and J.P. Trufford. They got Gene Segura from Seattle. They also picked up two other pitchers in that deal. They gave Andrew McCutcheon three years, $50 million. That move was forgotten in the Harper hoopla. And they signed David Robertson to a two-year deal. They extended Aaron Nola. They traded for JT Real Muto. I mean, they won the offseason, guys. I feel for like sure, they yeah. are... They're up there with the national and favorites in that division. And it still feels like they haven't done enough, right? Which yeah. is odd, which is really odd. Rarely do you do what they do and you think, wow, this team still has holes. Yeah. Which, I, you know, not taking anything away from them, but they still have a ways to go as far as I think that well, pitching I mean, goes. Well, I mean, they were such a young team. Well, for sure. And, and it's just that bullpen, though. I, I yeah. don't know how that's going to hold up. And you know today's baseball, man. You're not winning much if you no. don't have deep pitching and bullpen. Yeah, and they, I feel like they have a lot of questions. Their rotation was very sketchy last year beyond, behind Nola. And, and like, to, the bullpen, yeah. I mean, I like Robertson, but, like, I don't the rest of that no, no, and to be honest, Nola was phenomenal yeah. towards that backs, like like the back two thirds, right, yeah. right, and and so it's like, yeah, you know, you never know, you never. There's a lot that can go wrong, man, and I think yeah. that team is one of those teams where a lot can go wrong, and it'll go wrong fast. Yeah, because Kapler, ugh, <laughs> yeah, it might not be the right manager there. No. All right, let's go back to the NL Central. Will tell you about the St. Louis Cardinals. They were pretty busy. Yeah. So, so like that's where I'm kind of capping off that. You know the teams that are really going to beat the crap out of each other, and it's going to be between these the three teams we already talked about, and the Cardinals. When you bring in just right away, Andrew Miller, Paul Goldschmidt, boom. That's just Those that's just right. Two studs. Yeah. And yeah. and that's probably only costing them about. I don't know Goldschmidt's contract off the, off the top of my head, well, but it's I think it's his walk year, so they right, have it's to, like they ten have to, million, I think. Yeah, that right to, now. Yeah, they have him for one year guaranteed, and they have to try and convince yeah. him to love St. Louis like everybody who does goes, goes there does. So, like, my thing is, like, oh, give me Andrew Miller and, and Goldschmidt for, like, under 30 a year. You did all that for under 30 a year. It's huge. I think Miller, all the injuries he's had, he's poised for a big year. Goldschmidt, great player. I think the Cardinals are going to be right back in it. 
No, they, they'll probably make a deep playoff. Well, they played I, well. I can see that. Remember that huge run they had oh, at the yeah. end of the year? You got I mean, they almost snuck in because Carpenter, Carpenter, Day Young can go back and have a big year. Carp- talk- Carpenter's an MVP candidate until Christian Yelich took the stole. Yeah, the well, remember yeah. Uh, Carpenter's like August was off the charts. Yeah. So I think I think that, and, and let's not forget about Ozuna they have out there. I mean, they got a lot of pieces and they, and 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 they played well under Schilt. So and the Cardinals are going to be a team that so many people forget about. It's going to be no, it is. Yeah. it's going to come like September. They're going to be like. Oh, the Cardinals are like you know, like no, they're in a good spot right now. I mean, there's at least yeah. eight, seven to eight teams in the in the National League that will be just bullying each other for a yeah, playoff. The spot. National League's gonna be what the American League was yeah, last year. It will, it, yeah, it will. The National League, I feel like, it's far more compelling because the AL, you can say, okay, maybe there's like seven teams competing for the playoff spots. Here, you got like nine or ten right. in, in yeah. the playoff hunt, which is pretty exciting because it's nice for the Union too because the Union's saying, oh, teams aren't trying, they don't want to spend money, but you know, well, a lot of teams, teams are trying <laughs> in the National League. Yeah. The American League just is just so top heavy. The yeah. National League is not. And another thing that's underrated about the Cardinals, Carlos Martinez going back to the rotation is going to be huge for them because mm-hmm. last year he got bumped to the bullpen because he was struggling, but now he's back in the rotation. He can be their ace if he's on and putting in with Mikolas and their, all the young pitching. They could be really good. For, 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 for sure. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I think their pitching is going to be a lot better than we think, too, for those, that exact reason. Yeah. All right, let's go back to the National League West. Uh, Anthony, talk about the San Diego Padres and Mr. Machado. The Padres. I mean, yeah, they got Manny, but I mean, they're such an interesting team. I mean, when did the Padres start spending money? Yeah. I mean, they just dish out everything for Machado this year. Uh, Osmer last Osmer year. Osmer last year. I mean, they're going to be an interesting team to watch. I don't think they're going to be poised to win the division, but they could sneak into the wild card, maybe. Mm. Not entirely so sold on that, but I mean, they still have a ways to go. But they're very, very, very interesting. Yeah, I'm excited to see when Fernando Tatis Jr. comes up. Yeah. I mean, I just want to see just everything. I just want to see what they do, just all the rookie stuff like that. Well, I mean, like, think of that. Machado, Tatis, Hosmer. I mean, that's pretty loaded. And Tatis, that's such a lot. I'm more excited about Tatis than I am yeah. to see Machado there. And don't forget, Will Myers is out there, too. He's still, I know. He's, he's another one of He's another guys. one. Just, yeah. Ever since I, that yeah. was his rookie year. Yeah. yeah. And then and then they got uh, Francisco Mejia as a guy too. That catcher that they got from Cleveland yeah. for Brad Hand. I mean, yeah. he's a switch hitting guy who could do a little damage here. I mean, mm-hmm. they're they're an intriguing team, yeah. And they have all those top prospects in their minor league system because they're like right up there with the Braves in yeah. terms of having all that young talent ready to, getting ready to come to the majors. Like, yeah. do you like it in like three years? The Padres gonna be like the best team in the National League. I say yeah, probably three to five years in that range. But yeah. they're they're still a little bit of ways away. Like you said, that three year mark, but. Yeah. This year they're going to be interesting. They, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if they're going to be like the Braves from last year and yeah. just make a just a surprise push. Yeah, they have the division to do it. They can take advantage of that division. Yeah, yeah because the Giants and the Diamondbacks are not very good, and the and the Rockies took a step, took a bit of a step back. Rockies right. still tough, but like I could see there could be a team that kind of sneaks in that second wild card because the they're beating are, up on yeah, bad teams. The Dodgers are vulnerable too. Like well, we saw it last year. Yeah. 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 Yeah, Dodgers again. Kershaw, you point. You're right. He doesn't. He hasn't been very healthy. They have a lot of depth, but like again, like. Did, do they sleepwalk out of, this, out of the gate like they did last year where they were, I believe, under 500 in mid-May? Yeah, they were. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they were. All right, let's go back to the National League East. We'll go to the Mets for a minute. We talked about the Mets in detail a couple weeks ago, but we'll update on a couple other things. Besides the fact they have not extended anybody, we'll get past that. But current storylines, obviously, the injuries situation. Todd Frazier, Jed Lowry, both probably not going to be ready for opening day, which means the Mets are going to have some interesting choices to make on that infield. I think third base probably going to be Jeff McNeil, be my guess. Because I feel like they want is For sure, for sure. Safe bet, yeah. I mean, they want to play McNeil left field, but you don't really have a choice at this point. I think the more interesting thing with them is first base right now because 
Right now, you have this battle going on because Pete Alonso, as we heard me open, is crushing the baseball. But people don't realize Dom Smith has been destroying the ball. He's training, training right now. I mean, like, and he's a better defender than Pete Alonso is. To be honest, Dom Smith is a is. There's a reason that Dom Smith is a top prospect and Alonso wasn't. Yeah. Dom Smith is a good player. He's a better player than him, and I still hold, I still hold hope in him. Like, I, dude, when you he came up when he was 20 years old with a med too. These guys, 20 years old. Yeah, they're 23 right now. Man, they're not even close to their prime. <laughs> yeah. And he got getting jerked around last year between first base and left field. And he had that uh, – <laughs> did you hear about a sleep apnea thing? Yeah, yeah that was, like, frightening. I was the, right? He had the interview with Frances, Mike Francesca the other day, and he's like, yeah, you know. His I, heart I, would stop. He was like, he would stop breathing <laughs> five breathing, times an sorry, hour. breathing, that yeah. absurd. Yeah, and now he's – I saw an article, too, in the New York Daily News where he was talking about it. He said, like, basically, like, he was getting, like, not enough sleep, so he was, like, vision was impacted. Basically, if you were – fastballs, they were coming at 95. He was seeing him at 103 in his mind, so <laughs> – now he's corrected that, and he's seen the ball. He's tearing the cover off the ball, and like I think he's got a great shot to make the team. He's healthy. Oh no, there's no he doubt. He, he's right now, team. even with Alonzo playing well, I mean, oh my God, yeah, it's easy to put Alonzo down and save that year, right? Yeah. <laughs> Especially when you have the defense going on right now, that's the issue. So, oh no, Dom Smith can be a stud. He yeah. can be a stud. Not that Alonzo can't, but I, I am psyched about Dom Smith. I cannot wait to see that play out. Yeah. I think I think he's got a great shot. I'm very pumped about that. And I, I like, for one, that they actually have depth and they actually can absorb an injury or two for like a couple of weeks. So like, yeah. It's not like last year where like uh, Luis Guillorme was starting at third base and Jose Reyes says <laughs> corpse is starting at shortstop. Yeah. Like, now they actually have the depth to withstand the injury, which is a plus. And yep. poor J.D. Day is still not going to make the roster in this mess. <laughs> I like J.D. He's been hitting the ball well. I yeah. kind of think I'm intrigued by him, too. Yeah, they might not carry him. because I heard today, apparently, they want to try to protect some of their non-roster guys, like the guys who can opt out of their deals, like Devin Masarocco yeah. or, like, what's his name? Like, uh, who was the other one? Oh, Hachavaria. Oh, Adani. And yeah. is, like, Rajay Davis have one, too? I, I don't know. I know Avalon, the bullpen, has one. Oh, but he's oh pitching I well forgot off. about Luis Avalon. But he's pitching well. He's going to make a team. He, for lefty, lefty, too, for sure. Yeah, Hector Santiago reportedly also is going to make the team as, as the long man, which I think is a smart move I like as well. that. Yeah, I'm fine with that, yeah. Again, I wish they could have done more, but... It's like it's funny because you guys hear the uh, burn Bryce Harper gave the Mets a couple, a couple, a couple days ago. The what was that? The uh, Bryce Harper burned the Mets a couple days ago. I don't think I heard about that. No. So basically, like, he was interviewed about the toughest division. He's like, "Yeah, you know, we we did a lot. The Braves brought in Josh Donaldson, the Nationals brought in Corbin, all these other guys, and the Mets added. Just, <laughs> just added. Just added. He's never, dude. Bryce Harper's he's a lame. He's lame." I, I will never forget the kiss my rings in 2015. They didn't make the playoffs. Oh, yeah. Where's my rings? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, Where's my ring? You yeah. lost the division to the Mets. And yeah. how about the fact that he once said he didn't like the city of New York because it was too hectic? Yeah. yeah. That's all I need to know about Bryce Harper. Yeah. Guy's a bum. All right. <laughs> all right. Let's go back to the NL Central for a minute. Will, let's go to your favorite team, the Cincinnati Reds. Yeah, the Reds are, like, <laughs> intriguing, right? Yeah. Uh, although I forgot who their man- new manager was for, like, a week, David Bello. Yeah. But, um, no, I, I, I am very intrigued about the Reds. They're, let's catch lightning in a bottle and see what happens uh, I- as they rebuild. And they, they have a cr- loaded farm system. Eugenio Suarez played amazing last year. I mean, um, Yasiel Puig's there now. Sonny Gray, I, I think the Reds are intriguing, man. And I think they're one of those teams, right, makes the NL and the National League and the National League Central that much harder to win because they're going to be yeah. a competitive team. They're, they have Major League Baseball players. The Reds are going to be that team that could just, just take the league by storm somehow. It kind of reminds me of what the Padres did a few years ago, but the Padres didn't have much in the farm where mm-hmm. they kind of pawned everything off, where the Reds are like, we have Nick Sensel, right. Hunter um, – Hunter Green, right? I think that's the pitcher prospect. Like, 
they got every and and um the outfielder Winker he's good too like they got their guys there like they didn't they didn't mortgage themselves. Yeah, the thing that I just don't get the logic behind some of the moves they made though, because like it's not like they brought in guys who were here long term. They brought in a bunch of dudes on walk years. Yeah, I, I, but also it's kind of like hey, like okay, let's flip them at the deadline too, right? I mean, baseball's a lot of that. I feel like, and yeah. it's a lot of money that yeah. those contracts carry. Yeah, but they get prospects too in the process. No, but I mean, I think they're probably hoping, you know. Let's see what we can get. You know, get a team desperate. You need a if you need if an American League team needs a right-handed bat, yeah. Matt Kemp. Yeah. Oh, if if somebody needs a right-handed outfielder, here's Puig. Yeah. I think those are your two guys that are really going to dangle. Yeah, yeah. I, I thought it was interesting what they did. I just I kudos to Cincinnati. I love you guys. You're actually trying, <laughs> but you know what? I I want to. I don't know if it was the right call. No, it could be a gamble. But I think I think they were okay with keeping those the Sensel and um, Hunter Green. If those guys were untouched, I think they were fine by it. All right, let's go back to the National League West. Uh, uh, Anthony, talk about the new look Diamondbacks minus Goldie. The Diamondbacks took such a hit trading yeah. Goldie and yeah. also like losing AJ Pollock. I mean, they they were a playoff team in 2017 and. Last year, just lost. I mean, I don't see them. They're not going to do anything this year. They have, they're missing so many stuff. You lose Goldschmidt. You trade Goldschmidt. I just don't see them doing anything. They were such a – they were a team two years ago who were – they were going to – you thought they were going to, like, take the National League by storm. Yeah. But now, last year, they just took a step back. And then, like, even now this year, they took even more of a step back. Yeah, the thing that I think, honestly, I think the thing that killed him was that Zach Greinke contract because, like, yeah. they don't think they could afford to give him $34 million a year. No, <laughs> and I don't think Greinke wasn't worth it. He had that that insane year, yeah. which he got the contract essentially from. But, I mean, you can't let Goldschmidt walk. I'm not – well, trade Goldschmidt. You think you want to, but that's a guy you could build your team around. Yeah, they just – they're just – Pollock, I mean, it's just, it was a mess. They, but they tried. It was a good, like, what, three or four yeah. years of trying. Yeah. <laughs> they tried. I feel like they didn't get enough for Goldsmith, to be honest with you. I feel like they moved him on way too quick. Oh, my God. Yeah. When did that happen? That was, like, in the right yeah. before the winter meetings. Decades ago, it feels <laughs> yeah. like. I mean, it was. It was too quick. I Because, th- I mean, they gave up more. I think they gave up more to get um, Ozuna the offseason prior than they gave up to get Goldsmith. Yeah, I mean, they, yeah. Didn't, they didn't get up a ton. And, like, I was sitting there, I'm like, wow, like, Paul Goldsmith is worth that little. On a walk year, the Mets should have jumped in it. That's it was, was just thinking. an absolute yeah. steal by the Cardinals. Because Goldschmidt is—he's phenomenal. He plays defense. He runs well and he hits. <laughs> yeah, I mean the Mets could have done that, but they decided, you know what? We want Robinson Cano from thirty-six to forty-one. So here we go. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's a better investment of our time. But I'm back to back to <laughs> me. We'll wrap up the National League East with the Miami Marlins, and that's all I have to say. Not, <laughs> that's it. <laughs> There's not much there. I will say that. You basically summed it up. They basically, they really overplayed the JT Real Muto hand. Back in, everybody remembers back in December, they said to the Mets, you know what? We want Noah Syndergaard. We want two of Ahmed Rosario, Brandon Nimmo, and Michael Conforto. Yeah, Derek Jeter, take a hike. <laughs> I, I do like Derek Jeter, but oh my what God. What is he doing down there? <laughs> I just... I mean, I get you're mad that you got fleeced for Christian Yelich the year before that, but come on. You can't expect the guys to give up like those two or three young under control players for a catcher with two years of team control left come and what, on and what they got for him was i mean you got sixto sanchez i think his yeah. name is yeah he's a good pitching prospect that's but, it but he's but he's small yeah i mean like is he pedro martinez you're gonna be hurt all the time that's, yeah, or marcus right. stroman <laughs> yeah and, and jorge alfaro who is not done much he's their, he's their new catcher 
and they got bonus money. Whoop de doo. And another kid who I think was like just kind of like let's see what we get from him, right? Yeah. Like a lefty who's playing high A ball. I think. Yep. They did spend some, some of that bonus money though. They signed the uh, two Cuban after the Victor Vic, the Victor the Mazes, Mazes, the Mazes. Mazes. <laughs> Victor Victor and Victor Junior. Yeah, and they brought in Curtis Granderson and Neil yeah. Walker. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, collecting from the 2016 Mets, bringing in Grandy and Neil Walker. Gra- Grandy on a minor league deal, Neil Walker on a one year contract, and they also brought in Sergio Romo, so they can use the opener if they want to. I think they're just spinning a wheel and throwing yeah. a dart and see whoever's available. Just yeah. like, well, they just they guys. just Why literally not? need bodies who can play. Like that's what it is. Like yeah. oh, let's actually, we have to literally find players. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we know what they're doing. They're rebuilding. Yeah, and in the National League East, where you have at least four teams projected at least eighty-five wins according to the over/under. This team is losing 105 easy. That's where you got to pawn your win, right? That's where, like, like listen. The division will be won by who kills the Marlins the, the most. You took the words yeah. right out of my mouth. Yep. That is who it's going to be. You got to go into Miami. Miami's got to come to you, and you got to beat them. That's what's going to be the difference. Whoever goes 17-2 against the Marlins in 2018, yeah. 2019 will win the National League East. <laughs> That's agree. a fact. Yeah. And the thing that's scary is it's probably not going to be the Mets because the Mets never play well no, against that team. No, they never do, <laughs> specifically down there. <laughs> it, it, like, even when the Mets are good and they are not, they do not play well against Miami. No. It's just <laughs> something in the water down there. I don't know if they go clubbing too much in Miami, but like – they just get down there. They just play down to Miami. It's just so frustrating. Hey, well, you know, in New York, be warm, 95, uh, cold, majority of the year. You know, go down to Miami, kind of relax a little bit. And don't forget, that was the space where Dewan Arsene got the infamous taxi accident when he was <laughs> going for Cuban Dwaner. food in Miami <laughs> at 2 in the morning. Dewaner, oh, Dewaner. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to stop ranting about the Mets for a minute. We'll go back to the NL Central. We'll talk about the Pittsburgh Pirates. It's kind of – so, like, the Pirates, again, they're not, like, an awful team. They're gonna be, but they're gonna be like the nationally central is gonna be. I tell you, it's me like a beast of a division, because <laughs> yeah. you got the pirates who have major league players. They got, you know, they're kind of in that middle stage where it's like, uh, I don't know, I don't know why they traded for Chris Archer. I don't know why they did that, but he I mean, was, that, that he was, was bad too for them. That was all last yeah. season. Um, and they traded Austin Meadows, who I thought was be a good player, and um, Glass now, who went over to Tampa and he was like a stud. But mm-hmm. I, I. I I, that's the only thing I don't get about them. Yeah. Why did they do that last season? And and I don't know. I I don't really know what to make of the Pirates. Like it's funny. Like now in base, every sport, it's like is a team contending or are they tanking? You know, we never have those. The middle, Pirates are just the middle the, of the ground, yeah, right nev- there. We never have those middle ground. And I think that's just what they are. They're like a team that's going to compete, win some ball games, and that's it. You know, work for the future. Yeah, and yeah. Greg Polanco underwent shoulder surgery in the offseason. He's injured. So, yeah, so, so he's so he's their best hitter, and he's going to be probably out for a couple of months coming into this. Along, yeah, he's starting the season on the. Uh, now injured list. The injured, <laughs> like where Severino started start season on the injured list. Yep. All right, let's wrap up the National League. Will I mean Anthony? Talk about the San Francisco Giants. They swung and missed on Bryce Harper. They apparently <laughs> offered him ten for three. For, for they offered him the uh, three ten, but they need to go to three four to beat Philly's offer next to the California incredibly high state taxes. But what else do they work on? <laughs> I mean, they're just a complete. They're in complete rebuild mode. I mean, I see them trading Madison Bumgarner before the deadline. I'm surprised he's actually still on the team. They didn't try to get rid of him for the year. Just try to bring in guys and just kind of just plug and play. Yeah, anybody, any notable names they bring in? I, I really don't even know. I mean, they just haven't done anything. Yeah. I just... I feel like they talk big and then they don't deliver. Yeah, that's pretty much what they are. I think they were so head-on <laughs> and so ready to try to get Bryce that they just forgot about everything else that they needed. I don't think they were ever going to really get Bryce. I don't think they were either. No, I think they were Boris just... Boris like, was using them as the yeah. fluff, the fluffer, the fodder, you know? That's what it... They, 
Yeah. Once the Phillies went to three thirty, I think that was it. Yeah, I don't. I, I really don't ever think Bryce Harper was going to go to the Giants. I think that's one hundred percent what Boris finally got a team to bite enough to mm-hmm. offer him something, and that's what he did. The, the Giants, like you said, they just need to rebuild. Trade Bumgarner. Why are you why are you holding yes. on to him? Yeah, the thing with Bumgarner, though, it sucks for them, is that, like, he's been hurt so much the last two years yeah. that, like, they're not going to get a lot for him. And is the f- well, and, yeah, and they just run him through a, through a wall. Yeah, every year. well, also, he's not a great regular season pitcher. Like, no, he he's makes never, his money in the playoffs. He's never, he's never had, like, a a good – I think one year he was, like, under three, which was a big mm-hmm. year. But other than that, he's kind of been, like, a okay pitcher. Like, do you want to – do you want to, you know, trade a bunch of top prospects for a guy who may burn out and be injured right. in I a contract year? They'll probably try to grab Mad Bum towards, I mean, late trade deadline. Oh, just, for if he's healthy, and then just yeah. try to keep him, just spread him out a little bit so he's ready for a, for a playoff push because that's where he does his all of his damage. I mean, come playoffs and then in that World Series run a couple of years ago, forget yeah. about it. I mean, Mad Bum in the playoffs is legendary, but again, all the innings on that arm worry the hell out of me if I'm looking to acquire Oh, him. no, I see. Oh, that for too. sure, yeah. yeah. And a guy who's never, and he's never, I mean, for the first, like, when he first came up with it, it was it 2012 on that, yeah. or 2010 on that run? Yeah. yeah. He was a flamethrower, but yeah. now he's not like that. It's like him, it's him and Kershaw are both sort of declining now because of all the wiles yep. they have on their arms. Yeah. And they're starting to get injury prone and break down. And, like, it makes you wonder what kind of contract is Bumgarner going to get when he gets to the market? Yeah. Nothing big, nothing big. Nothing to what he was, should, should have got before he got hurt and stuff like that. All right, that's the National League in a nutshell. In a solid 28 minutes, we've broken down the entire National League. Guys, I'll have you back a couple weeks before the regular season starts. We'll put our predictions on the record and go on what we think is going to happen at the playoffs this season. But before you go, I'll give you a chance to plug your social medias. Will, you go first. Uh, yeah, so Twitter, uh, Will, or no, W. Oh, what is it? Will Schneider H? Yeah, Will S C H N E I D E R H one. Uh, still writing for Fan Sighted. Um, so yeah, get on, catch me on Twitter and uh, see what I'm up to. I'm writing a lot about football off season. Yeah, any interesting football stuff coming out for you? <sighs> right now, it's kind of low, but a few draft profiles, some schedule stuff. Uh, but if you go back, a lot of the articles I wrote last month have a long shelf life as free agency approaches. So check those out. All right, Anthony, how about you? What's going on with you, social media-wise as well? Uh, I'm on Twitter at Ant underscore Sorbellini, uh, S-O-R-B-E-L-L-I-N-I. And then I'm uh, just pretty much just taking a lot of pictures. Or my Instagram is a Sorbellini underscore photos. Uh, started up writing for Fansided, getting my first article out done tomorrow on the Yankees. I'm writing for Yanks Go Yard and just stuff like that. Just keeping busy. All right, thank you guys for all the time. Much thank appreciate you. Up next, this week's two-minute drill, I'll talk about the greatness of Roger Federer, who just won his 100th career singles title. That's coming up right after this. History continues to be made by Roger Federer. Arms aloft. Title number 100 his eighth here and he did it all in 69 minutes all right we're back that was roger federer's 100th career single style courtesy of atp live and again nothing to be said here roger federer is the greatest tennis player the male greatest male tennis player i want to clarify that the greatest male tennis player to ever live he defeats Stefanos Zizipas 6-4, 6-4 in Dubai to claim his 100th career singles title. He's only the second man ever to win 100 singles tournaments. Jimmy Connors was the first, and he finished with 109. 
So if Federer can keep up his level of play for another year or two, he has a great chance to become the most decorated singles player ever. Three women have accomplished this feat as well. Martina Navratilova, all-time leader for either gender with 167. Chris Everett, 157. Steffi Graf, 102. That is it. That's an elite fraternity to be in of tennis players who have won 100 singles tournaments. Let me give you some other names and note just to give you a perspective on how rare this accomplishment is. Serena Williams, who may argue is the greatest women's player of all time, she's won 72 titles. Billie Jean King, 67. Venus Williams, 49. About the men's side, let's go there for a little bit. Rafael Nadal, Federer's biggest rival, is 180. John McEnroe has won 77. Novak Djokovic has won 73. The great Pete Sampras, 64. And Andre Agassi won 60. Federer is in the Century Club. That is incredible. He is 37 years old. And this run goes back to 2001 when he was just 19 years old. The fact that he has been this good for this long is incredible in a sport like tennis. Tennis, most of the prime, most of your prime is from 19, 18 to about 27. Federer is a decade past that point, and he's still winning titles and still winning tournaments and still competing deep in the Grand Slams every single year. This is remarkable. He is defying father time. What Roger does is truly a work of art. And I hope you non-Tennessee will take a chance to check him out before he retires because watching Roger Federer play is an experience in itself. He is an artist on the court. He is a true great, a true legend of his time. And he is, without a doubt, in my mind, the greatest male tennis player to ever live. His dominance over this long a stretch is unprecedented, and we're not going to see it again. I mean, the guys behind him, Nadal and Djokovic might join the Century Club eventually, but their runs of success have not been anywhere near as long as Federer's have. Their runs have been much more condensed. Roger has had a very lengthy period of dominance over this sport. The fact that he has 100 titles now is a nice magic number to solidify him as one of the greatest of all time. All right, and that's going to do it for this week's show. I want to thank my guest, Rocky DePaola, for coming by to talk about the Jets. Will Schneiderhan, once again, hopping by, talking Jets and talking baseball beat with Anthony Sorbellini, who I also want to give a shout-out to for coming by again to talk about the National League preview and break down all the headlines. If you want more good stuff like this podcast, including my giant offseason preview with Russell Baxter, who friend of the podcast who was on here back before the Super Bowl, check out the blog over at justandthesuffering.wordpress.com. You can also subscribe to this podcast on iTunes and Google Play, simply by searching for Just and the Suffering in the iTunes Store or the Google Play Music section. Be sure to leave your feedback and star ratings in order to help make the show even better going forward. Also, follow me on Twitter at mphillips331. That's M-P-H-I-L-I-P-S-331. And tweet with the hashtag extension season if you made it to the end of this week's show. As I mentioned before, our fantasy baseball preview, which is pushed back a week because of the snow, that's coming next week. I have a guy coming in here. We're going to talk all about the things you need to watch in fantasy baseball. Some sleepers, some busts, that good stuff. Joe D'Aloisio, our NFL guy, is also coming back with NFL free agency set to kick off next week. We're going to break down all the latest news and rumors. and We're going to try and make sense of what's happening and figure out where some of these big names end up going, like a Le'Veon Bell. Also, we're going to talk some college hoops next week. I'm working on a good guest for you there. Until then, I'll be a better week than Lakers fans. Yeah.